Season 3, Episode 7, Wednesday, December 14th, about 10-ish a.m. You're in the East Coast. 8.30 over here. Hello, Kathy. This is Kathy. Good morning. Hello. And I'm Brian. This is Brian. I'm not, being, I'm not being exaggerated about my morning voice. I actually am a morning person. I have already been up for, I'd say, about an hour and a half okay. at this point. Yeah, I, I got up a little bit ago, um, making sure the, the dog could go out um after her surgery and stuff and everything's good we're having a good morning dog you say yes i have a dog now it's true i have a dog her name is evie named after the pokemon i guess i didn't get to name her myself but i would i kept the name because who doesn't love evie and um right now she is resting post um surgery that you know they wouldn't let us take her without the special surgery so um here she is resting behind me very sleepily and what else today today is evie is also the name of the protagonist of 80s television show out of this world oh do you remember that show uh let me see Um, let me look it up um it aired from 1987 to 1991 uh burt reynolds was in it too apparently oh was he? It says, it says he was. I don't remember that. Um, Evie played a teen who is a half alien, half teenager. Oh. Evie Ethel Garland, played by Maureen Flanagan. It was, it was, uh, let's see, it says directed by Scott Bayo. Wow. wow. Probably fresh off of the uh like Charles in Charge experience. He was like, I can do this, I can direct, and you know, we know how that wound out. So yes. Yes. um it features the voices of Burt R- Reynolds. Okay, so uh, without reading the rest of it, because I want to just mm-hmm. share what I remember mm-hmm. off the top of my head. What I remember is that Evie 
she was like a half alien, half human because like she lived with her mom okay. or she lived with her dad. I don't, she lived with a single parent. And actually, I don't remember which of the single parents it was. I'm going to guess the dad. Okay. And that mom was an alien. Oh. And and she is the product of their romance. And she oh. and, and mom went, I, I'm gonna guess. No, that must not be right. Because the if if the voice is Burt Reynolds, he was the little thing. And so, okay. So okay. in her room, in her bedroom, she had some kind of like weird crystal Ooh. or something. Okay. And she was always very secretive about who was around. Otherwise, it just looked like a paperweight or a vase. And that was, I think, one of the recurring jokes where like people would come in and they'd be like, "Ooh, what a lovely vase. And she'd be like, no, 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 don't touch it. Right. And they were like, oh, you're right. It must be very expensive. Right. And actually, it's because what it was, it was this like crystal radio transmitter. Right. Like and it allowed her to talk to outer space, presumably to the other parent, which if the voice is a Burt Reynolds, then Burt Reynolds must have been the alien. So she must have been staying with the mom. Uh I guess that's the thing. That's the story. That's what I remember of this teen girl communicating with outer space. And I remember even at the time I was watching it, I guess I would have been in the target age for it. I mean, I guess it says it aired 87, I would have been six years old. Okay. 91, I would have been nine. I would have been four by the time that it was over. Which means that I would have seen it in reruns had it reran, which a lot of things did back then. Um, hmm. You know, I'm surprised that I've never heard of it, but I feel like maybe it did air in somewhere where I was able to see it. The logo just seems familiar. I feel like I've seen the logo, maybe. But um, I'm gonna. Here's a little bit of this. Uh, Okay, so here's here's a couple of cute facts. Okay, so yeah, it it is uh, it is in fact Evie the teen who has special powers because of her alien heritage. Okay. Is I, I and I don't remember what it is she can do. I think she can like stop time and like make things levitate, like just kind of like random bullshit, sitcom bullshit, right? Mm-hmm. Things that will create situations and wackiness. Yeah, um, she uh, has a mom. Okay. Um, uh who is like uh who's like a school teacher and kind of runs her own catering company when the bake sale takes off or some oh, shit like that yeah, yeah um and then 
I guess the dad is played by Burt Reynolds's voice, who is also found within the cube, the the little Ooh. crystal cube statue. That's who she communicates like, hey, dad, okay. I'm just calling to say hi. Right. Like, so in some ways, it's actually kind of normal as a show. Right. Like you could imagine like this story taking place as like a dad who always travels or uh, a dad who's uh, overseas in the military. Right. Yeah. Like you could kind of imagine all kinds of stuff. Right. Like this isn't. As far as, like, a family situation, all of that ordinary, right? Yes. The final scene of the intro really grounds it in that when they just show, they've shown all this outrageous stuff, like her stopping, like, a, pa a can of paint flying through the air and her, like, appearing and disappearing in different places. And then the final shot of the sitcom intro is just a suburban home in maybe California or something like that. Um, yeah, it's like every town USA. Yeah, like, that's... They knew how to make them back then. They knew how to make them. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Oh, they sure did. But we start out with a scene at the very beginning of like Ann Terry's or wherever she's from, which I think is great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. No, I, I, it, it's funny. Were, were you and I talking about Small Wonder recently? I don't think, mate, I don't know. I don't, let me type it in. Okay, then, then the answer is no, you no. and I were not. So I must have had a conversation with someone at some point throughout this last however long it's been okay. um, about the show Small Wonder about a robot girl. Oh, yeah, I'm looking at it right here. Small Wonder All Seasons on, on YouTube, if anyone's interested. Oh. 93 episodes. <laughs> Yeah, we, yeah, it was. We had a discussion about it, and we were commenting about how odd it was, and how like uncanny valley, and like what it was trying to predict, and what we thought some of the like unspoken undertones were as we were looking back on it as adults. So mm -hmm. I was in a room. Yeah, I must have been in a room with a bunch of other people our ageish okay. in that range, because there was a variety of people who were like, I kind of remember. Some people really remembered, right? Like that yeah. kind of a thing. Um. Anyway, so we had a convo about it, and the the plot of that is basically that there is an otherwise normal suburban family, husband, wife, kid, male kid, and the dad works at a robotics company. Oh. Um, and, like, at, at the robotics company, he makes, like, I don't know, widgets. I don't know what the fuck he does, okay. right? But at home... Because he has all of these tinkering skills, he's been hard at work on a robot, and it just so happens that the robot manifests itself in this Pygmalion way. I don't know. What the fuck am I supposed to say about the human psyche and uh, <laughs> these archetypes of tropes that date to a billion years? I don't know. Okay, anyway, so what he creates is a small girl mm -hmm. named Vicky. Mm -hmm. um and she then lives in their house i don't want to say like a robot maid like their robot daughter but she also is like othered right because oh. she has to be because she's yeah. a robot yeah all right so like there's also some like like and i don't think that shit's intentional but like i think looking back on it like watching it i'm like what <laughs> in the blade runner hell world is this because let's think about and this. i was watching this as a child like what like, anyway let's, let's so about that the... those were some of the convos we were having let's That's think right. about the time so it was 1984 when that show came out here 1985 oh it sure was tara's so calendar I'm, back i'm thinking you know? about like back to the future i'm thinking about like what other kinds of like let's 
throw a thin veil over something and call it like high technology. Um, like, so 1985, in 1985, that was the year that, no, 1986 might've been the year when Mega Man came out featuring a character named Roll, which was a girl, a robot girl who looks very much like in a maid costume and looks very much like this as well. Very strange. Right. Uh, I wonder if, because even Roll though, was even though this little, it. even though this little girl in the sitcom, whose name is Vicky, the robot girl. Mm-hmm. Even though she's wearing a red gingham dress, it's got this little apron over it that definitely gives it this like maid sentiment, yeah. which is also weird and fucked up, yes. right? Like I don't know. It was like, did you build this thing for it to be your child or for it to be right. your maid? Do you see them interchangeably? What does this say about yeah. society? <laughs> because we live in one, right? So anyway, like, let's get a little bit of yeah. Uh, we went we went deep with the fucking robot girl show, man. Here, let's 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 hear what this sounds like. So what I'm seeing from uh, that little intro there also is that it seems like there was uh, an antagonist, which was a little girl in town who wanted exposure for being a robot, maybe. That's just what I'm picking up on, like peeking through the window. Maybe she was her best friend. And then also looks like... She was like, she was like the nosy neighbor. Okay. That was Her name was Harriet. Oh. And Harriet, Harriet was the nosy neighbor next door. Okay. And she was just always coming over to be like, hey, do you guys want to go swimming? Oh, but she can't because she's a robot. Right, and, and then it would be things, yeah, no, it's... Uh, <laughs> I guess. Where, would you folks like to come over for dinner and eat with all... <laughs> yeah. you know? Do human things? Would you like to... Yeah. <laughs> would you like to tell me what you would do if you encountered a turtle in the middle of the road, <laughs> flipped over upon its back? <laughs> Little girl. What's a turtle? No, she replies, what's a turtle? You know what a tortoise is? It's like a tortoise. <laughs> can you draw one? I'd yeah. be like, can you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've never seen anything like that. I can't help you. I'm sorry. Then she like picks up the piece of paper and folds it into an origami crane. <laughs> and eats it. <laughs> Small wonders. See, I like this show much better. Yes, I agree. <laughs> okay, so yeah. It's sponsored no, by anyway, the Terrell so Corporation. <laughs> That's kind of why we thought it was fucked up, right? So I don't know yeah. how it actually came up in conversation. Maybe we were talking about AI. We, we were having some kind of adult conversation. Mm. That's right. And and then somehow I said, yeah, it's just... 
I'm like, we, I'm like, we have Roombas. I'm like, they're not even Vickies. And then somebody was like, what the fuck are you talking about? And I'm like, all right, I'm insane. So let me, let me take you down the fucking mind palace association. I just did or whatever. This is my daily life. It's great. (laughs) Yeah. Having to constantly explain what I'm thinking. (laughs) Because what I uh... said doesn't make any sense. One day I was at work and I I was I, I, I we were chewing on some problem. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't remember when it was. It was a complicated one. Uh-huh. I do know that. And I was like I, I like I sat there stewing in the meeting, like what are we gonna do? And I like I don't know, I blurted something out and my boss said, Man, I wish I knew how your mind worked, and I said, "No, you don't. It's a prison." Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Anyway, it, it made the whole table laugh. I, I just want to say, like, I really appreciate that I have. Uh, I want to just take this moment to acknowledge yeah. how many people in my life have a really immaculate, uh, like, dark sense of humor. Mm. So that when they hear that, they laugh. They know uh, that it's like a joke, and it's not like, do we need to call the authorities? <laughs> yes, I think that is a very <laughs> valuable trait to have as a person with uh, an expandable brain, such as ourselves. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great to have. Thank you to all our listeners. You all make this possible, too. Yes, because <laughs> sincerely, if you weren't listening, if I didn't see those numbers slowly growing over time, then I'd know we're doing something wrong. And this way, I know we're doing something right. So just by uh, making those numbers go up, you've uh, given us positive feedback. <laughs> so thank you. I want you also to know something, that I don't look at the numbers. I uh-huh. merely go on Brian's word that the numbers mm-hmm. are increasing steadily, slowly, steadily, whatever they might be. Mm-hmm. I take that at your word. I have no reason to believe that's not the case. I, I believe we are delightful slow. individuals. It's slow, but it's growing. It's you know? Slow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, me, I believe in us. Let me take you, take a look real quick, just at, um, I think mm-hmm. that our most, let's just share that with the audience real quick. I'm going to click on the button. Yeah, I'm actually kind of curious now. Let's find out. Okay, wow, we had a huge spike, um, wow, uh, on episode, whenever whatever episode came out on the 21st. Um, I could click on that. Man, I have no, I, I mean, it's funny because I have no recollection of oh, what I talk about. That is, yeah, it's funny because I, until I listen to it back, I don't really either. And then I'll be like, oh yeah, we did say that. Um, let's see. I remember how good I was at taking notes and man, that, that just really flew out the window. I, I don't have that kind of structure at all. I say that. I mean, I do have that for work and things like that. Like school. It'd be very, this is the opposite I'm of very serious. Yeah, exactly. So it's just like, no. <laughs> this is basically the place that we go to have that sort of fun where you're in school, but you're goofing off. And then yeah. this is basically it. It's like the day that we, we have the mood, the feeling I have in my heart when we do this podcast is the uh, substitute teacher just rolled in the, the videotape. Yeah. And we're going to like oh watch God. a movie. But, yeah, you and I, but you and I are sitting in the back, all the way in the back, and we're just talking yeah, about whatever yeah. we want and not doing, not even watching the movie. We're somehow still learning. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> like, I'm Truly. not sure how that and happens. And the teacher knows that, like... and they're letting us get away with it. Yeah. They're, they're like, like, oh, they're like doing their own thing back there. This is creative. <laughs> yeah, it's I'm like... responsible for this learning. All of the teachers who went to Montessori school know what's up with us, <laughs> exactly. right? Like, they're exactly. like, okay, I know. Just... 
They're like, oh, they didn't get to go to Montessori schools, but they're in our hearts. That's <laughs> what I'm doing for them right now. Um, <laughs> oh, they're doing a lot of drugs instead. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and they're letting, and they're, we don't have grades either. We have like, uh, <laughs> yeah, we don't have grades. We have yeah, like a like... plus. We have a two. How many plus marks do we have next to our name? That's how good we're doing. Do you do you actually speaking of yeah. I, I'm not to derail it yeah. too hard. Do you actually know how it is that they do grading at St. John's? No, I have no idea about it. Is any of it. It, oh, it is perverse. Okay, so let me. Ooh. So uh, St. John's College, the yes. uh, university, as it were, that mm -hmm. I attended yes. as, as an undergraduate, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, did indeed graduate with uh, you know I guess decent grades as far as that place goes. I'm proud you know? of you. Uh, I'm proud. I'm proud that I finished. Um, anyway, so uh, what what they what, it's it's the great book school, so it's very uptight and very like conservative, actually, in oh. its own ways. Even mm -hmm. even very, I mean, even though Santa Fe is the liberal campus, like as a whole field of study, like its whole deal, its whole philosophy, um, to say that it like upholds white supremacy is an understatement, oh, right? But um, can I uh, can I ask? I mean, it's all the West. Yeah. You said there's multiple campus mm -hmm. campuses? Yeah, there's two campuses. Oh, I didn't know there was more than Santa Fe. Yeah, there's the Annapolis campus and the Santa Fe one. Oh, fascinating. Mm. I didn't know it was like a multi-location kind of deal. That's cool. Or, oh, well, okay. So is. so just, yeah, just real quick. Um, uh, third oldest school in the nation. Wow. Chartered as King's College or some shit like that wow. um, in 17 jerk off motion. Right. <laughs> um, and <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but it basically goes William and Mary, Harvard, and then what is now St. John's, that third wow. school. And that third one is at Annapolis. And the one in Annapolis is actually also the one that as a campus contains the Liberty Tree. The tree of liberty, which must be which watered we, with the blood of freedom every like seven years, so like it they, actually like... stood on the St. John's campus. Wow. No, it died. Like oh. it, it died. It died like during the Bush administration okay. or some shit. No, no cap, as they no, say. Yeah, I, I'll yeah, look no. it up. Okay. <laughs> I was just gonna ask. Yeah, um, I was like, is, is there no, any I know. symbology there? Any? No, it, it it was. And as a graduate, I found it particularly hilarious. Francis Scott Key was like the first in our first graduating class, wow. the writer of the, yeah, no. So it's, again, it's a big jerk off motion type of a thing. Yeah. Right. So like, this is also where like neoconservatism out of the like can, Straussian school comes out say, of like, Annapolis and the university of Chicago. Yeah. yeah. No. And then it starts to get into all of this neoconservatism and all kinds of weird shit. Yeah. Like again, a Wikipedia article, or I'm sure there's other shit, yeah. not even getting into the modern day, uh, the, uh, spin-off school as it were oh. the uh university of austin that fake barry weiss oh yes great I books I university on chapo yeah that was all based on the st john's curriculum right oh. so like they're there and and so they left st john's because it wasn't conservative enough wow Okay, but what you're describing to me sounds for a university especially, which is already kind of like, yeah, that's that's. Crazy. Oh, I mean, and, and when we get into the ritual, and I say ritual, I, I, this is kind of actually what attracted me to it, right? When right. you get into like the ritual of the of the academic day to day, like I was fucking all over it. I love that shit. I love that you could only address each other by your last names, Mister and Miss. Like that would like oh, in class, I, like you, I couldn't too. call you Brian. I'd have to be like Mister Smith. 
Mr. Yes. Johnson. Thank you for uh, Ms. Whoever. No, I, yeah, no, I'm not going to say any, but I'm, uh, those are the most generic white person last names yes. I could come up with, Smith. and those are the ones I said, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. Smith. Yeah, you know, just so. Uh, Johnson. Um, I, 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 so. won't, I won't. Kathy knows I can't list. I'm not going to finish my joke. <laughs> can't, yeah, no. I can't list the top <laughs> names in America. No, um, no, yeah, no, the, 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 the Ronald. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Jonald. Jonald. Surprising, surprising <laughs> fact. Number three. Jonald is the number three name in America, yeah. but everyone Ronald, with that name is, they call it John. Yeah. It's <laughs> so Jonald Anyway, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, he's one of the uh people we read on the great books curriculum oh, is yeah i would assume donald smythe i'm actually very surprised that i never ended up at that school one or the other because when i was growing up i was just transfixed by classics like old books mm. and stuff like that and i was reading them on my own occurrence like no one was telling me to do it i was like i had we had this um mm -hmm. program at school accelerated reader which is basically you go and like read books you know it could be a children's chapter book it could be whatever it's from all it's for all grade levels but for me in fifth fourth fifth grade i was going through all the classics just because they got the most points mm -hmm. and then you got a free pizza party at the end with all the other kids who read a lot so that was fun and um that's what i was that's all it took to motivate me as a child it was a little pizza party every three months but so i, I read everything from treasure island to oh mm -hmm. God, some of the russian ones which i didn't even really know what i was reading but i got through them at least um, and took the test and passed the test. I know because they always got like perfect scores. Well, that's even what's interesting, right? Is because it's like I feel like even at that early age, like because I, I feel like I did a lot of the same thing, right? Like I like I can look back on books I read back yeah. then, and I was like, I didn't read them. I'm like, but I processed something. Like right. I can remember characters' names or this, that, or the other, yeah. right? Like, um, but also the kinds of questions were almost more if I can felt or say it training you to kind of be able to do that shit later yes. right like because yes. it was like the questions were like softballs yeah it was like what color were the curtains in you know the drawing room right meanwhile like they're actually talking about like how they just found a dead body or something right. in crime and punishment right but they're not like assess the symbolic literate you know <laughs> yeah, meaning exactly. of, that's not until a few years later yeah right? school, that's, probably or that, yeah, but in that beginning, it's like, what color were the draperies? Were you really paying attention? <laughs> yeah, I, I know I was in Treasure Island. I love that book. I read it a couple mm -hmm. times, but um, <laughs> weird, weird book. They can never make a movie out of that these days. Um, would they want to? Probably You, you couldn't did, write did Treasure yes. Island now. <laughs> They've yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> um, let's see. What was I going to? Oh, I was in. I was briefly there. I have the tab open here somewhere. Which tab is it? I still have math rules open. I still have uh, Northridge <laughs> alumni bear facts open. I still have the the tripod side of the month open, and the angel nice. fire. Like I still have Chris uh, Chuck's corn page open. I have. Oh, I can close that one. Um, I still have. Oh, the corn page was still uh -huh. delightful. I do remember the I corn have your, page. I have Thank you. I have TMZ in a tab open still. Let's see what else. I have uh, your blog. I have the Wikipedia oh. article for the movie Star 80. I have. Um, well, I can close the one how to John Wilson. We actually talked about that in an abst in a. Mm -hmm. You brought it up, which was funny. Um, even though I had the tab open. Uh, let's see. I have the page. I have the page for the 101 Diner open in a tab still from one of our. <laughs> it's like 10 episodes ago. Um, 
Let's see. Although I can't find the stats page that I just had open. Here we go. Okay. Here we go. Here's the stats page. On November 21st, 12, no, we had 12 downloads, nine of which were for uh, the R.L. Stein Presents Turkey Day number one. So that means that uh, nine people on that day alone enjoyed our little Thanksgiving episode that we did. But also someone That's else delightful. Someone else went back and listened to, according to the chain, you can kind of see the chain here, listened to four, three, and then two uh, right after Neat. another. So Neat. they listened to four episodes in a row, which is great. Thank you all for enjoying us. Those would be the episodes. <laughs> like enough to like continue. Yeah. Like that's I like <laughs> one out of nine of you enjoyed us enough to spend your Monday, November twenty first listening to probably about six to eight hours of us, which is amazing. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean I hope you were like, you know, cleaning the garage or yeah. like setting up the lights or something. Me like too. cooking cooking a pie, you know. Yeah. I mean I, I hope you folks are enjoying yourselves with us, you know. So let's see. Do it uh, doing some like yoga. <laughs> that's actually our lowest uh, our most episode our most listened to episode was uh this touches me deeply, the season where I the episode where I start talking about um the hurricane and then the Ming Tiger versus Ming the Clam uh was twenty one downloads. There you go. This is just on um this is only through Buzzsprout too. This only this is not record episode plays through Apple, which is split off and although we can I can click a thing to see the Apple that doesn't uh, doesn't show us the statistics here, which by the way, I believe is actually how most people listen to us is through Apple Podcasts. Uh yeah. this is Buzzsprout and Buzzsprout tracks our direct downloads as well as app, uh, Android downloads. It does not include the Apple numbers in their numbers. It also does not include uh, SoundCloud, which is its own little upload. And if I go into SoundCloud, I can see on that episode, for example, just so you can know how many people are out there listening to you, listening to this with you, um, Ming the Clam versus Ming the Tiger had 13 uh, listens alone on SoundCloud as well. Um, yeah, so so people listen to the show. It also looks like perhaps I didn't upload episode 29 to SoundCloud. Is that possible? <laughs> No, it's here. I just forgot to add it the spotlight. Okay. No, it's here. Um, never mind. Everything's okay. So yeah. I mean, hey, we're, we're all good. just human. We're all just human. We're all just doing great. Yeah. We're all doing great, man. I mean, I'm on my like I'm about to go pour myself my third cup of coffee. Okay. I can hear you though, because I'm on my headphones. Okay, you great. Know. So you you can go ahead and do that. I'm just looking and at And I uh, got my mic too. I got one. So please continue. Yes. Yeah, so we have, um, I would say, on an average, somewhere around, and I can say this with, with, I can. This is my conservative estimate. I can say that we have approximately twenty-five to thirty listeners. If I'm even rounding off the people that listen to like one episode, so that's kind of cool. I don't know who you all are, but um, if you would like to let us know who you are, you can contact us on Twitter. And if you're listening to us and you like the podcast enough, you probably know how to do that. And if you're not following us on Twitter, I'm still not going to say our names on Twitter, but you can. Um, you can. I mean, at least until that place implodes, right? Because exactly. it seems like the end is imminent you from can find us on the description. Find, find us on the Something Awful forums, I dare you. Right. Yeah. 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 You can find us there. I never deactivated my account there or nothing. Yeah. Send me a PM. I think I still. Yeah. Out. Send me a PM. You can figure that out. I have. Uh, I have platinum. I paid for the whatever the seven dollars or whatever for platinum and archives access. PM. You know what? I I have plat. I didn't pay for plat. Oh, That's someone bought plat for you as a gift. That's 
cool. Wow. Uh, it was a mod gift, even because oh. I was such a because I was such a good poster. Kathy. I was such a good poster. Shit. I've always been such a good poster. Kathy, this makes me dream, and <laughs> it's amazing. No, what's really nice too is that like. See, I, I, I see again. I feel like uh, I, I've never, I've never looked at my grades, but I feel like I've always excelled. You know. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. You know what? Uh, the only yeah, no, it's great. No, I mean, I'll, I'll, like, I mean, unironically, I mean, because you and I have talked about the something awful forums as part of this like kind of formative experience yeah. of getting to the internet and even like kind of the larger aspect of like kind of cultural analysis dare i say it because the, what were any of those fo great forum threads if not about like dissecting some little minutia of a tv show or a movie or a video game or a political event to its tiniest little detail right like absolutely and that's what those nerds were designed for right um so I don't know, like, I feel like uh, uh, it was kind, I think at that time, especially like, uh, God, it was, I had, I had lurked for a long time, I think. Um, and then before I, like long before I ever decided to reg register an account. Um, I know that. I don't remember when I actually made my, I think I made one and then like, it was like a lurker account. Yes. And then I made like a real one, you know? Yes. My, where I like actually was like, I'm gonna pay, you know, like, you know, get real, pay for search or whatever. Yeah, I mean that's that's a big deal. I mean, searching was get a sig, right? Things like that. Yeah, exactly, and that's really important for me. Yeah, I remember getting my. I originally had an account that I shared with a friend. We got while we were in high school. Let's see what year was that. We were in. I was in tenth grade. He was in eleventh grade. He introduced me to the forms or the website in general. Actually, in ninth grade, we were looking at like the front page and stuff like that. Mm -hmm, laughing mm -hmm. about the front page and the the writers and then kind of like if there was a link in the front page like hey this topic came up on the forums or something like they would frequently do like here's a link mm -hmm. to Photoshop Friday thread which we all talked about mm -hmm. this before we posted it so that would kind of get me into it. I'd be like what are these people talking about and th to me honestly as a, as like a computer user the concept of a forum wasn't completely foreign but posting on it was like contributing to it was like a kind of a at least as someone who was literally like 14 13 like posting on at least at that time it was such a foreign concept to even be doing that i mean most i would say at the time sure there were probably plenty of teens participating in online forums but much less than today and i would say back then that a lot of the people posting were in their 20s, 20s and 30s who had been posting for years probably even on like message you know bbs's and stuff like that Early bbs people, yeah mm -hmm. people who've had familiarity and with the concept of like online posting. i mean do you do you remember on the simpsons there was that joke i mean and yes. it was early yes. on i, I should I look that when joke. that would like alt must know simpsons. radioactive man star pick right yeah all dot nerd dot obsessive right yes, like it. with the comic book guy and yeah Mm -hmm. and like but that was true i think even for like general users of the internet that like oh no but like if you're like posting yeah. as opposed to just going to the pants store online or whatever you know like no joke but the screensavers on tech tv referencing that simpsons reference is how 
and talking in a segment about bulletin boards is how I actually learned about bulletin boards at all. Them reference them making a joke and then cutting into a segment where they're like, "Hey, BBS still exists. You want to know how to get on like Usenet?" Like, and then they would like you know talk about free Usenet services or whatever. And mm-hmm. I was like, "Holy shit, this is crazy!" Like, I had just learned maybe about the something awful forums or just message boards in general and then i was seeing like this existed since the 80s this is totally i it, to me it was like i've been on the internet at that point i had been on the internet since 1990 i don't know uh it's hard for me to pin down a year exactly but i want to say like i mean i was downloading roms and stuff in like second grade so i want to say i was probably online with like i had like a 90 something no it was a, it was a it was a 46 so I don't know. Damn. It was a long time ago, though. It was probably maybe it was like first grade, yeah. kindergarten, something like that. Either way, I've been exposed to the internet for a long time in a time when like other kids weren't really even getting online. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that made for a fun place to grow up and learn about the world. And, and I would say, honestly, because I spent so much time on the forums, especially, that I really did get um, a chance to, like, maybe we discussed this before, but like talk to adults and have mm-hmm. adult conversation and stuff. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, that was a very. It helped me learn. Really so quickly. like, so like I got a computer that connected to the internet, um, for my quinceanera for my, for my birthday. Okay. And so I had like a pretty great computer. Like, so I think I, I mean, when I turned 15, I think we got it later that year. Right. Okay. Like it was like one of those things, like we'll put the order in right. Or whatever, you know, yeah. it was an apple. I remember that it was okay. like a top of the line apple for cool. that year. Um, basically. Um, and I remember like, I, so like because like my parents were immigrants and I was like trying to get into college and shit like right. and this isn't to like talk shit they just couldn't help me with my calculus homework right and yeah. so like on a very real level my parents were like well this is actually a study tool right this is like how things are moving to like uh, you're gonna have to use these to type papers and like do research and so like for them it also was like yeah it also makes sense you can you know and I was like well I'll go online because I can also get help with my homework because you could also still do that right like right. that's still like normal chat rooms yeah. of like on AIM even like yes. AOL homework chat help. rooms of like homework help yeah um I remember even public access cable had like uh, they had like this little one hour show on LA on Los Angeles cable, like public access. And it was like the tutoring guy and you could like live call in, but he had like his yeah. like ICQ number, some shit like that. Like, and you could be like, Hey, yes. Mr. Homework guy. Yes. Right. It was like some shit like that. I, I, that. I say ICQ. I don't think that's what it was. It might've actually just been his aim handle, but it was like the homework guy. And I'm making that up too. Right. But like, but yeah, you know? I, yeah anyway. there was, there was a thing like that here too. And um, I don't remember who it was exactly, but there was definitely like a local access show. And now I'm looking at ICQ. It still exists. It's up to date. They have a bot API link at the top, which is cool because I remember there being a lot of bots like as part of the service. But otherwise, other than it being called ICQ, I see it just looks like Zoom. I see like video calls and stuff like I don't see like a 10 digit number that everyone has or, you know, a three digit number if you're one of the cool people at the beginning. Um, probably all just uh it's probably all just connected to your email now right be, like like oh. zoom is right like you connect zoom to your actual email or whatever or basically right yeah, i mean that's yeah. what i do yeah mine's actually i don't even know how mine i, I basically just like click the 
Apple sign in every time and it pops me in. Um, Syncs to your calendar and everything. Yeah, I remember <laughs> when we started the program, I was actually confused about how I was supposed to log in. And that's why I had like a paid account and there was a couple episodes where we didn't like it timed out on us. I really enjoyed that. That was one of my favorite moments in the show where we were like so ad hoc that we hadn't paid for the version of Zoom yet. And I was conf and I was so confused that I didn't know how to log into the correct Zoom account uh, <laughs> to fix that. Um, <laughs> and I was like, no, I do this for work. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Zoom. They really took over our lives in a quick minute. Um, it's surprising. I remember the first time I actually used Zoom was about nine months. Or no. The first time I used Zoom was actually right before the pandemic. Um, actually, no, it was a year before the pandemic when I was uh, evaluating um, scholarships or scholarship applications for like this local nonprofit. And I remember they had us on Zoom to like explain how to use the software to like leave comments on these little applications. And I was like completely blown away. I was like, this is crazy. This nonprofit organization is using Zoom, sharing their desktop to like show me how to use this mm -hmm. software. And I've never even been in anything at that point other than like log me in or like some. And I had never even heard of Zoom. I was like, holy shit, this is crazy. Hmm. Um, huh. I was February of 2020 or no. Yeah, it was before we. I had heard See, of so that, that's fascinating to me because I feel like I've been using Zoom. I don't know, at least for like. God, when did I first log into Zoom? It must have been like I don't know, like, certainly for the DSA conventions. Oh, so like, like that was like ago. 20, 2017. Wow. Okay. Wow. I, I seriously, a long I hadn't time. Even, it, I hadn't even heard the word Zoom until right at the beginning of 2020. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Like it was like uh, it was like this and the and Skype, right? Like Skype and Zoom were like kind of like head to head, and then for whatever reason, kind of Zoom won out. I'm done falling um, off. I'm done falling off. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's it. And it's the. Uh, these kids with their Tic Tac accounts. That's right. They're taking over the world with the Tic Tac. Um, so I revealed a little bit of our listener numbers. That's that's a fun thing. But what, mm -hmm. else, what else is fun out there? Reality television. Supposedly what this show is about. And I did. Well, it's about reality. And I did. Uh, I did watch some reality television programming. In fact, I watched some reality television programming that I intended to watch which is rare but i also watched them i didn't intend to watch which is not so rare um amongst many things that i was able to watch what i would include as true crime um i would say i watched the well we talked about the uh did we no that was before we were recording um mm -hmm. I, we talked about uh casey anthony i always want to make sure i'm not saying her daughter's name so we watched this uh uh it just came out it's on peacock um, I watched this Casey Anthony. Well, I don't even want to say it's like a, I don't know. It's almost like it's a documentary, but it's really about like setting the record straight because ultimately she never said anything during her trial. And the last <laughs> 10 years, she said nothing as well. And now she finally has her chance to talk 10 years of therapy and 10 years of talking to your legal team about what you should and shouldn't say and everything else has led up to this documentary. But I would say right off the top, you may be thinking Casey Anthony having a documentary, trying to clear her name. Why is this? person deserve a chance to clear their name when they were so obviously guilty 
and uh, you know, and obviously shouldn't be out there in the world. I would say that if you watch this documentary, you would probably find that not only was this one of the most egregious, uh, just having the trial alone and not having her father be the suspect of the trial, the subject of the trial, is insane to me. Uh, they had every bit of information that they needed beforehand. They had every bit of information they needed leading up to the trial. They did plenty of interviews with her, the family, family friends, everyone. They had every bit of information that they needed to know, including at trial when testimony was given about the actual events that are talked about in this documentary that are the precipitating events, the character witnesses that you would need to say certain things about the people who have committed said crimes and who didn't commit said crimes. Like her father is very clearly lined up from about 15 laser dots from like, you know, all the different like cases, the situations aligned to being her father sexually abused her child and then faked a drowning to cover it up. That's ultimately the situation. Now, even the trailer tells you that, but that's what the documentary is going to be about, so I don't feel like that's really spoiling it. But that's really what it all is. That's the scenario. And the legal case unfolded from a premise, a false premise of body's gone. Uh, we're already looking at the mom. Then body is found. We already had the mom. She's in jail. We're just going to continue the case going as such. And even if we are con going to gather more information, we already have the mom in jail, and she's going to go to jail. That's it. It's Florida. She was a bad mom, in quotes, and that's it. Lock, their, lock her up. Now, as it turns out, the documentary also reveals a supporting evidence for this, is that <laughs> the, you may ask, why in those 30 days from supposedly when she last saw her daughter until the day that her daughter was found, only 12 houses down the street from where she lived with her parents, why... Um, what was happening in all that time? Why was she seen photographed around town partying in various Orlando party spots with her friends, drinking, having her 21st birthday, you know, seeing a picture of her with her head in the toilet? It turns out because uh, she was instructed by her father from day one, right when uh, Kaylee had her accident whether or not, I mean, even, even Casey does not know the truth of exactly what happened, but through her long, long history of sexual abuse with her own father and um, her knowing of, like, her father doing that to other people, not just her, and her brother, even, uh, her father, mm. her father looking the other way while her brother basically did the same things to her, she and others in the documentary are interviewed giving supporting evidence that they're pretty certain that it was... And I will also say her father's uh, crazy interviews in the last 10 years have only gotten like more and more him like begging someone to like say that he did it and like point the finger at him and just basically put him in jail for it. I mean, he, every, the last couple interviews that he's done has basically been like, I did it. I feel so guilty for it. And I just can't come up with the words to say it. It's the most insane thing. Like they're, the interviews are wild. Like he, he's basically like through the television, like begging Casey for like forgiveness and absolution over like all the things that he's done. For everyone to everyone it's it's like completely transparent um <laughs> anyway i never found her to be uh before watching all this i never really knew too much about the case except that nancy grace was always like chomping at the bit about every bit of new information 
Nancy Grace uh, refused to be interviewed for this documentary, which I think, you know, it would probably make her look foolish. I think if she was in the documentary, so it was probably a good choice to not be in it. And also, ultimately, she was just a reporter, an observer. She has nothing to contribute materially. So <laughs> if she was to put herself in that position, I think that it might also, once again, make her look foolish. So I, I think that's probably why she avoided it. The father, the brother denied any uh, involvement with the documentary. They wanted no, nothing to do with it. But there's plenty of footage out there from the 10 million other interviews that they've done in the last 10 years to get a pretty good picture. Um, friends and family get involved and defend her and it turns out the last 10 years Casey Anthony has been living a totally normal life in South Florida um, for the first year she lived with one of the defense counsel um, who felt like leaving her out to dry after the case was over you know would be a huge disaster he, he described it to like leaving a wounded soldier behind in battle um, so he actually let her live with him and his family for a whole year and eventually she actually, to support herself, would go off and like live her own life, but would continue working at his law firm as a researcher, um, kind of undercover, I guess, living like a secret life. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, tell tell me what you will. Perhaps you ever see this, but um, it seems like she's pretty innocent. I mean, in fact, it seems, it seems like the prosecution like nailed her to the wall because she was like a 19 year old who spent 30 days, quote unquote, not knowing where her child was. But really, it was because her father was giving her instructions on everything to do, including appearing in public with no worries at all, which was later used against her in trial. And on top of all of this, on top of everything, the star witness in her death penalty case was her father. Her father was the person pushing everyone <laughs> to to commit her to death which in my mind is only to cover up the trail and the evidence which eventually mm -hmm. only only 10 years later has she actually brought up all you know the abuse in uh mm -hmm. now that she's been therapized and can actually talk about it other than saying like my mm -hmm. yeah it's pretty crazy pretty crazy and that man still sits you know at his house completely undisturbed his her brother completely undisturbed um you know, no, everyone leaves them alone. In fact, people keep throwing money in support of them and continue to want Casey Anthony to basically meet death. Now, something that's very interesting, mm -hmm. is this, is a, this is a very Florida case. This is a very, very Florida case. Now, when I was living in Orlando, going to UCF, or maybe even not at the time, can't remember. But this was 2008, and I was living in a, a, um, uh, an apartment complex that was literally right next to the apartment complex it was so let's say this there was four apartment complexes if you imagine them in a square uh four squares i was at the bottom if you were looking at this in the northern lead direction i was in the bottom left one she was her parents lived in the top right one and the body was found somewhere if you put like a uh, like a plus sign between these four places of like a no man's land of just like empty terrain the baby was found somewhere, or the child, should I say, the two and a half year old, was found somewhere in the, somewhere in like the middle of the plus sign between all these places. So when the helicopters were flying over the day that they found her body, they were also flying over my house. And I remember like looking up and turning on the news, and I had no idea about this case at all. I'd never heard about it, and I turned it on, and there we go. I was like, okay, I'm instantly transported into this now. And um, that. I remember watching the local news for like a few days after that and then completely forgetting about it until it hit the national scene and it's unavoidable. You go into every bar and there's like a, you know, TV with Nancy Grace on, at least there were, it was at that time. And, uh, 
you would see all these pictures and all these interviews and all these things like for years, as it turns out. I mean, she really did like carry her show on the Casey Anthony case <laughs> for years and continues to, if you really look it up, she continues to comment and give, I mean, like she, she has been giving commentary on this documentary from the outside, maintaining her position, saying that Casey Anthony it doesn't answer any of the questions that she wants answers to and that Casey Anthony should just admit to what she did, basically, is what she's saying. Um, it's really a fascinating, it's a three part documentary. Each episode for some reason is a different amount of time. Like the last episode is like a minute, <laughs> or it's an hour 12, but the first episode is like 40 something minutes long. It's very strange. I don't know why they cut it up like that. Um, maybe it was going to be five parts or six parts and they ended up editing it down. But, um, yeah, I could close my tab on Japanese cyberpunk. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and that's that. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know what else to say about it. I highly recommend going and seeing it, considering she's one of America's most hated people. Um, watching the documentary might change that, quite honestly. You know, what I find interesting about it, too, I mean, and, and I, of course, I haven't seen it yet, and I don't really know anything about the case, though. I'm not here to really comment on whether she is or isn't guilty, right? Like, I, like you know, um, but I'll Fair. say, like, in the, like, media ecosphere that you and I kind of talk about and really sit here and critique, right? Like, I, I do find it fascinating that people who are branded as guilty yes. or are accused of these heinous crimes, right? Like, you know, it's kind of like, um, there's like this old saw and I don't even know if it's true about like these two like politicians are like running for office and one of them's like, you know, just accuse my opponent of being a pig fucker. And, you know, and it's like, well, but he's not. And it's like, well, yeah, but just, but that means he'll have to get up on stage and deny it. Exactly. Right. I am not, you know, my, I'm not a pig fucker t-shirt seems to be bringing up more questions already answered by my t-shirt, you know? So I feel like in that sense, what I'm what I'm shocked is like if she if she is completely innocent of these crimes, dad's completely to blame. Whether or not you and I even know of any of those things, right? True. It's just we're just watching. How how do we? What you just said, right? Like all of America like hates her, right? Yes, and it's like so if she really is innocent, like how this documentary isn't going to be the one thing that undoes no. all of that, no, you know? Takes... Which is like the weird fucked up part. How do you come back from something that really isn't? Um, isn't really at all what people think it is, right? Like that Elon Musk is a dipshit who got up on stage at Dave Chappelle. Yeah, no, he deserves all that mockery yeah. and more, right? Um, <laughs> um, things like that. But um, chilly neighbor, they don't deserve that, you know? So, so what do we do? What do we do? Do we just wait for it to blow over and then, and then, and then it's okay? I don't think so. I don't think that she gets to live an ordinary life, even if like, even if like the rest of the people are like, okay, no, we're persuaded. Like, even if everyone in her town was like persuaded by the documentary, they're still going to walk around and describe her as Casey Anthony, the one that everyone accused of killing her kid. Yeah. Even though we don't believe it anymore, right? Like now it's like this, <laughs> this reality does exist for some people in our society. I mean, there are people walking mm -hmm. around who think that O.J. Simpson did not commit the crime. So it, to to mm -hmm. to to it's just another it's another great example of how we can have over, uh, simultaneous overlapping realities happening at the same time. Now it doesn't mean one's mm -hmm. more. I mean, one is more true than the other in O.J.'s case, quite clearly, mm -hmm. I think. But there are many people who 
you know, live in the world of denial where he is absolutely not responsible or could not be responsible for those things he was accused of, and mm-hmm. even the second time, honestly. Um, so, and the second time was on camera. Um, that he recorded himself, I should say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and ironically, the reason he recorded it is because he thought videotaped evidence would, abs- would absolve him of any responsibility legally. I mean, it doesn't give any. That was that. wait is is that what the, the, the sale Vegas. of yeah the Las Vegas yeah like the memorabilia thing yes. shit. It's very convoluted, but essentially, a, a a man who had acquired some of his stuff for him, purchasing it at auction, promising to sell it back to him later at like a cost or whatever, because he was a big OJ fan, didn't hold up to his end of the bargain. May have never was going to hold up to that end of the bargain. Um. And another man who was his friend, he well, a couple guys who were his friends, but were basically just like buddies and barely even really knew him. They knew him in the concept that like, oh, we're hanging out with OJ kind of a way. Um, they went to confront this person who had the stuff in this Las Vegas hotel room with a gun, unfortunately, was ultimately the only part that made it a crime other than like scuffling with some people in a hotel room. That was ultimately the crime. Um, and yeah, he just confronted them, didn't get any of the stuff. And then they were all arrested anyway. So, uh, yeah, he never got anything. And, I mean, really, ultimately, the reason that he wanted all that stuff back was so that he could sell it himself to then ultimately release the judgment placed on him. So, in some way, the Goldmans and um, Nicole Simpson's family, or Nicole Brown's family, did get their justice in some way, like, eight years later. And he served some time in jail. So, interesting chain of events. Anyway, I've been watching some reality oh, TV okay. lately involving <laughs> said people. Um, I've been watching a little bit of The Housewives, Kathy. I've been really oh. putting my heart and soul into watching The Housewives. And due to that, I think I have reaped some incredible rewards. I would say that if you start off at the original Housewives of Orange County, you may learn a thing or two about a thing or two. Maybe if you're from California, you're not going to learn too much, but... If you're from another state, I would say this. You're actually going to learn more about the ways that suburban life can become as hellish as possible, even if you have tons of money. Because ultimately, having tons of money helps none of these people in their personal lives. If anything, it just makes it more complicated in some pretty dramatic ways, and especially when it comes to their children, I would say. And I would say that that is the most huh. not- that is the most notable thing that I have picked up on, is that the storyline in season one of Real Housewives of Orange County, which is the original Housewives show, as I'm trying to do this chronologically, starts in 2005, which is when I was a senior in high school, and hmm. I'm looking at these kids who are also seniors, well, juniors and seniors in high school, and I'm just like, I cannot. I mean, I can. I both can and can't imagine what these kids are going through. There are so many things that they go through that I'm like, I can completely identify with this. Um, let me see. Let me go on Wikipedia real quick so I can pull this up. Because I want to get the name of the moms right. Real, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Real Housewives cast season one. If I type in a Wikipedia, it should bring up like list. Where's that? You know, have they have like that matrix sometimes of like which cast was in a show for like how much time? Oh, yeah, the like that timeline. That, like, here it is. Yes, here's the matrix. Okay, so we're looking at um, Kimberly Bryant, 
And so all of the original cast is gone by season six. Or no, all the original cast is gone by season... Vicky. So Vicky sticks around till season 13. Is Vicky the one that I'm thinking of? Lori. No, Lori is the one that I'm thinking of. Okay, so... I think. Well, let me type in her name so I can just see. These people have had plastic surgery, but... Um, I mean, literally... Okay, the only reason that I would even say that is because... I was looking at a screenshot for a, a Chloe Kardashian show that's not yet in my timeline. You know, it's it's like a couple seasons ahead. And I literally didn't recognize that to be her. And I was embarrassed. I was like, who's that on the Kardashian show? Is that like a cousin I don't know of? And I was like, oh, fuck. And that was even me looking at her for 10 seasons. So, hmm. yeah. Um, so let's, let's look at, <coughs> let's look at uh, Lori Peterson here. Because I think that's her. I'm just getting to know my moms here. So Lori Peterson is one of the moms. Lori works at, okay, Lori Peterson works for, so as, as we, okay, hold on. Oh, she's a professional golfer as well. I didn't know that. Anyway, as we start out the show, Lori is working for one of the other moms. She's having a rough time. One of her kids is having a really rough time. Uh, her son, in fact who is going through the typical teen stuff, is getting in trouble at school for smoking pot and stuff like that. The mom takes the tack that, you know, it's 2005, the kid's smoking weed. She's not, you know, completely hip with the circumstances or maybe doesn't know exactly how to communicate about the subject. But, you know, she takes it very seriously as if he's, like, doing heroin and, like, sends him to, like, rehab. So, bad sitch. Kid gets out of rehab, ends up in jail, well, juvenile hall, for smoking weed at school, again, Interesting scenario. Then on the other side, you have another mom, and these are these moms are all like friends. You see them interacting all the time. It's, it's fascinating. You have another mom, who's um, how do I describe this? You have another mom who's these parents have very different parenting styles. The amount of money that they make. I feel like that's a very generous, neutral description. It's consistent. <laughs> well, having never seen the show, you saying they have, like, you pausing and being like, mm, they have different parenting styles. I feel like it's, one of them is going to be, like, completely indifferent, and the other yes. one's going to be, like, beating one of them. <laughs> yes, I mean, basically, that's what it is. I, I have a feeling that one of the moms <laughs> is extremely, like... A, it's hard to even describe it without... I'm just going to have to bring up a clip. I do have two timestamp clips I will bring up, but one of the moms is sending their... I'll say this. One of the moms is sending their sons to rehab for pot, and the other one is basically um, not caring about what their kids do at all, which is fascinating, each of them finding their own way. And in some way, I would say that the parents letting their children do whatever they want, those children seem more independent than the children who are constantly being watched by the Beverly Hills um, stay-at-home mom, which is... I don't know. There's an there is a sociology class to be taken on season one of this damn show because there's so many things at play. They didn't know what the show was going to be yet, so they didn't know what audience or what market they were making it for. A lot of the show focuses on the kids, which I know cannot be the case now. It has to focus on the moms. So, but the focus was on them being housewives. Most importantly, the show's focus was on them making home, like doing mom stuff. 
and I'm pretty sure that progresses very quickly to them being like, uh, doing like fun mom stuff out of the house, mom stuff. And that's all happening. But when it happens in this season, it's all them being like, Oh, my kid is in juvenile hall. Oh, my husband died a couple of years ago. Or it's all about like the drama and the complications of their life. It's not about like, yeah, the, they're drinking wine. Okay. They're drinking wine hmm. and they're maybe ready to like splash it on each other if they got a little saucy or something like that. But that's not going to happen in this season. They, they might get up to that level, but they're not going to do it. Uh, I haven't seen it so far. And in fact, I haven't even seen any of the moms argue with each other other than like, <laughs> you know, topical stuff. Um, so it isn't the show that I imagined in my head, quite honestly. And as someone who started watching accidentally, uh, nine years into the future of this show, the real housewives of Beverly Hills or whatever, seven years in the future. Um, watching the real housewives of Beverly Hills is like a totally different show, a completely different show. I mean, first off all five people in, or six people or whatever in real housewives of Beverly Hills are like big time people. Even your least wealthiest person is like, feels awkward on a private jet, but because they've only been in a private jet a few times and they don't have their own, but they're mm. still like extremely wealthy and would fly first class everywhere. Mm-hmm. So like this, in this show, you have a mom who is working for one of the other moms at their insurance company that they run together. But even when she talks about her overall like sales numbers for the year, which kind of reveals like her income level as well, it's not a lot of money. I mean, she's talking about 500,000 gross, some of that's got to get cut off. Most of that's got to get cut off to go to like this other woman that works with her and her daughter now works with her as well. Her, her, that woman's daughter. So now we have three people in the office cutting all this overhead and they're only talking, taking in a half million in sales. I don't know how much money they're actually making. Um, but it, it can't be that much if they're living in this house and there's no, <laughs> they're the only like income earners and they're living in, you know, anyway, I know that it is extremely different than a scenario in which someone actually struggling with an income could have. But through the lens of all this, through the lens of your neighbor having like a 20,000 square foot house and this person being like, I'm a struggling single mom. It is, it's like a kaleidoscope. It's like, I don't even Hmm. know how, it's not like looking through a telescope or a microscope of these people. It's like, it's like going to a fun house mirror. And because the other the other thing is that some of these people are aware of how much money they have. Some people are not. Some people are aware of how their friends <laughs> see them and view them. Some people are not. And that's really, I think, where the show comes in. And ultimately, I have to say, season one of this show makes them all look kind of completely out of, like, like maybe now they're in on it. Maybe now they realize they're like, oh, <laughs> they're like high society ladies who maybe don't get everything that everyone else gets with these ladies. They don't know what they're on TV for. They don't know why they're being looked at. They don't know. I don't think they understand why the audience would enjoy watching them. And many of the 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 moms are, I don't know. They only they only give material that makes them look bad. I mean, they're they're not like. I mean, they're like abusive to their children on screen. Um, this one mom goes not like physically, but like this one mom like goes and like to her, you know, this is like a long term like boyfriend or whatever, but like goes over to the house like no, not even they're out in like a date. They've been <coughs> dating for like years, and she goes out into a date and says like, "You didn't tell me where you were." And then like twenty minutes later, she like shows up in person, like completely dressed up, and is like, "We're getting out of here. You're not going away with your boyfriend on this trip. We're going home." Like and this girl's like nineteen. She's like out of school. It's crazy. Um, 
really weird sitch. Um, but <laughs> I don't know. All I can say is that they don't let the editors of this show lay, leave nothing out. They leave. They pull in every bit of dirt, everything that would be interesting. And um, it's the show. Season one of this show is kind of what I anticipated the show being were you or I to ever make a show like this in that we would be focusing on the things that make these people interesting with a capital I instead of um, trying to entertain an audience necessarily. And season one is definitely still doing that. Now the later seasons with like, you know, people who own like basketball teams and stuff like that, that is not shown. I think those people have too much profile to allow themselves to look mm-hmm. compromise. Um, but this season does this season lets everyone look compromised as fuck. And I found that to be compelling. Um, so yeah, that's my review so far. I've seen. Uh, so do you think it's going to be like, like, is it like the elusive real in reality? I think it will be for the first season. I don't know how long it'll last because this was mm. this, this predates Kardashians. So we're living in a world without Kardashians, without any. Now, 2003, I think, was Flavor of Love, or 2004. Mm. So we're talking that we have celebs in reality shows already, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And them coming to terms with what that might mean for their long-term future and such. Mm-hmm. Um, but what do you think, uh, What do you think, Kathy, about this? While I look up some the two clips that I was going to do... Um, what, what do you think? So I've never watched Housewives. I know that, like, it's got, like, a bunch of different cult followings, if I can kind of put it that way. It doesn't seem like just wine moms yes. trying to, like, live vicariously. It doesn't seem anything quite like that. And but... having watched a little bit of the show, I think the show is less about that than I thought, even in today's context. Hmm. Even having seen the Beverly Hills episodes, I think it's less about relating with the moms and more about observation. Hmm. I mean, I I think it's like, this is, I think, the part where it's like, hey, let's get a peek into these people's lives. But like, the thing is, is that like, the only time it feels, maybe like, let me compare it to something else that I'm, I'm thinking of, which is not the Real Housewives, but is the lifestyles of the rich and famous. Are you familiar with this show? Yes, Robin Leach. And um, mm-hmm. his deal. Yeah, there was a show a little Basically bit like Cribs, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Basically Cribs. And so, like, I feel like th- what's interesting even about shows like Cribs, right, which is basically the same fucking concept. Let's go look at how these people live. Lifestyles of the rich and famous, right? Their private yacht, their um, big giant mansion, and, you know, whatever, right? Their cars, their private planes, and yeah. things like that, right? So it's all that. Um, but it's like, it only feels like a sneak peek if they're not showing it off. Yes. You know, it only feels like, whoa, we're going behind the curtain if they're not actually always on stage, right? That's the only time you get that feeling, right? But if it's like, there's nothing, ooh, what a secret about someone who is always look at me. Right. Right? Like, um... So the, I I don't know. There's the, that's what I mean. Like something about this like elusive reality, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. um, what does it mean when we're trying to kind of get a sneak peek, but the people we're trying to look at like are completely happy being exhibitionists? Do you think that even applies to us? 
I don't mean to ask this question. I, I should ask this question myself before I ask it of you. But I mean, do you think that applies to us making this program in a way? Like, have we, you and I, I mean, I, I always try to tell the truth on this program and tell it, I not mm-hmm. make shit up, mm-hmm. but like, have we created in some way this program in its own like kind of pocket reality version of ourselves? I mean, we have in the same way that like the cartoon version of Al Gore and the Simpsons isn't really Al Gore. And we're kind of creating the cartoon version of ourselves in this program in some way, even if we're not trying to, because we tell jokes a lot more often and we have a different personality than we are all the time. And mm-hmm. we try to put, put it on because uh, it's a program and because we're trying to have fun mm-hmm. and laugh together. So mm-hmm. we're not how we would normally be all the time. In some way, I mean, this is this is the same thing as that. As much as Lori looks like she's a good mom because we were looking at it on a reality television show and she's taking care mm-hmm. of two kids with against big odds. Um, well, I mean, I guess maybe that's the difference, right? Like, if you and I shut this off and we were to go, I don't know, go grab a burger somewhere. Yeah. Do you really think you and I would behave all that differently if no, no. one else was around? I actually no. don't think so. I don't, I think think so. Exactly if you and I were like, else. yeah, if you and I were the two fucking characters and waiting for Godot and no one was around us, yeah. we would be having a fucking blast there by the side of the road, for right? Eternity. Like, yeah, we'd, we'd, you know, like, so, so I don't think that that's like what it is, right? Mm-hmm. But like, I think that's what I mean, like about this, like authentic reality, yeah. right? Like, there's there's probably something i mean even to kind of i don't want to bring up our stats numbers right but like isn't that why someone decided to like kind of listen to us back to back for whatever reason that it's like hey this feels personable this feels comfortable this feels like people i want in my home and it's like cool i hope that you actually feel that way in real life about me you know i agree welcome come on in if you love that like a cup of coffee yeah i'd love to take a tour of the country and visit these people who think that i'm not look i made some coffee i have some m&ms yeah, i like this I'm running low on a vape pen but it's recreational we can just go at any time sure, I'm yeah, gonna, no, I when i'm tapping my vape pen on the screen no look see no look okay. Cover, hold on this, i'm all right this is all i have I'm left low. this is all i have left yeah but it's, it's a full one mostly yeah um didn't feel it's like okay the the, the, the stories <laughs> are plenty yes quite quite and i think that um were us all to have yeah, I like saying that. We're us all to have the opportunity to take a couple hours every week and make a program like this. I think that we would. Or at least were it to be easily available to, for us to do. Um, yeah. Which is, once again, like we talked about in the other podcast, which still hasn't been released, because uh, I think they take a very long time editing things. We talked about a little bit on the other podcast. Um, God, pi- pi- piloting error. That's what it's called. Um, a little bit about, oh, Christ. I, in the, trying to remember the name piloting era, I forgot what we were saying. What were we saying? What was I saying? Um, something about, um, the real being captured somehow. Like, um, who is it that you're willing to allow into your home? But like, yes. Okay. Is it, is it, is it really like a sneak peek? Is it really an exclusive? Yes. If everyone's if, like, it like just like just like right now on twitter like everyone who like has like a thought will put breaking news right in front of it like breaking Uh, news i'm having a salad for lunch like that's not breaking news i remember now what i was getting at 
So when we were on piloting air, I recognized that that was the longest conversation I'd had with you. I didn't say this, but I recognized it kind of while it was happening. That was the longest conversation I'd had with you that wasn't on the podcast. And that, that was a very strange thing that that was yet again on a podcast. Like, and so, but like in, at the same time, like I recognized that we weren't, I don't know. It was, it was a very, it was a, it was a funny experience. Um, well, well, see, Brian, I think you bring up another good point, right? Which is that like, as you and I have actually mentioned, and we may be hard for some of our listeners to believe, yeah. you and I have never actually really spoken before you and I started oh, this yes. podcast. Yes. I mean, that, that like, I think like we had had like a couple of handful of Twitter interactions. But I don't even um, remember them specifically. I don't either. I mean, because I went back and looked them up, right? Like, how many times did our username show up together? And the answer was a handful. Did we ever argue? A few. Did we ever argue, Kathy? Right? No. Okay. No. It was it was always riffing, and it was okay. always like happy riffing. Good. It was always like okay. I'm so glad. It was always like something like somebody commented about, I don't know, like a movie or a book or something, and then someone jumps in and makes a joke, and someone else does, and okay. that you know, it was like that kind of a thing, right? Where it's yeah. like people just having a conversation like normal fucking you know like lunch hour is what it felt like right, right. it's yeah. like it's those there's there's those moments on twitter when a, a random handful of people will come together let's say during a lunch break yes right just for whatever reason you all happen to be in the toilet at the same time in uh -huh. the various parts across this great globe of ours right uh -huh. and someone says man i'm really in the mood for a philly cheesesteak Someone else says, oh, man, have you ever had it with a dollop of this kind of a cheese instead of that kind of a cheese? Man, you may not think it makes a big difference. But and then, you know, the next thing you know, everyone's talking about their lunch for like 40 minutes and you're like, fuck, yeah, I wanted cheese steak. And, right. So yeah. like th that kind of a conversation, which which I, I feel is also becoming more and more elusive on this grand old website. Well, um, because it used to be that like it was I'll say safe for like random people to jump in and say that and that it wasn't like you know actually there's a lot of people who have never even had a Philly cheesesteak so you really shouldn't be posting about this on your time I have a funny story about cheesesteaks related to Twitter as well um, but I don't know if I can tell yet I'll, maybe I'll talk to you Cheese about sticks. it. I'll talk to you about it in person. I completely invented this podcast. interaction. But all to say is that that was like literally the extent of our interactions previous to okay. you and I deciding to start this podcast yeah. is what I'm clarifying for our listeners. And yeah, and, and that's right. They were surprised about that on the other podcast too, which uh, just mm -hmm. mm -hmm. they were very surprised, which is funny because I don't know that we've ever indicated otherwise in any way. I mean, if I did, no, but I'd like, be like, hey, but it's I awesome feel that like we're meeting for that's the first not time. like, but I feel like that's not like the story for like most other people. Most other people yeah, are like, yeah. oh, this is like me and a college buddy and we live, uh, you know, on different coasts and we were bored in the pandemic. So we decided to come together because we used to get beers every weekend and now we yeah. couldn't, right? Or something. It is true. Um, we're kind of a unique story in that way. And also, I have to say, what, I don't know, this is so. Well, I've been saving it up, Kathy. It's true. I have been saving this up. Now, I've been making notes the whole time we're talking, so we can go back to where we were. But I've been saving this up for a long time. I just want to say that I am so thankful that you are doing this with me, and I just want to do it forever. I love it so much. So 
Oh, thanks. Yeah. Hey, just the season. No, it's nice. I mean, I, I feel like we're always, I, I would hope that that is also something our listeners take away, which is that I feel like we try not to bum ourselves out too hard, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, we we both know the depressing things we're thinking about on the large scale, so. <laughs> and we're trying to be like, how can, how can we put a... Uh, a more positive, optimistic spin on this yeah. awful take that has just happened. Exactly. Like it's when I read whatever is going on. Last week, when I was reading, uh, <laughs> I think about this all the time. The, the times when Kathy doesn't respond to the things that I say are some of my favorite <laughs> moments of the show. Last week, when I was reading the the like five or six really depressing headlines in a row, and the fifth one was like, Chinese protesters change their symbols every other day, and so that the government can't figure <laughs> out like what their protest symbols are. And she says nothing. And I look at her face in the camera, and this is something you can't get. And she's just looking at me blankly, and I'm like, uh-huh. And then I read, the, and then I immediately put down the paper and pick up the next one, which had a funny story, and I read that headline instead, and she just starts laughing. And I was, that no, is, immediately. like, I'm that like, is, no, too serious. to me, exactly. It's like, that is, to me, like, what the show is all about, is that I, it's at like, any moment, we can do that. <laughs> Well, what I what I also really like is that our listeners can't see that in that sense. It's like you're Fraser and I'm Ross, you know, <laughs> like I'm like holding up like a little. Mm -mm. Yeah. Like... <laughs> oh. For all the Fraser heads out there, you I, know. Yeah, I, I'm 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 I'm. I will... How about this? I had watched five seasons of Cheers, almost. Yes. The next season was going to start, the one with Kirstie Alley. Crane pilled. Rest in peace. <laughs> Sorry. And you know what? I mean, those seasons are when they start taking Fraser's character in. Um, I believe at some point he becomes retracted to Rebecca. Is that her name? The Christy Alley's oh, the... waitress, the the bartender at Cheers. Oh, I never saw Cheers. Oh, okay. Well, you know the precursor show to to Fraser. Yeah, yeah, ironically, yeah, yeah. The, ironically, the I've never really watched Fraser. <laughs> and, and also, yeah, it's true. The prequel to Fraser. Cheers. The eleven season prequel to Fraser. <laughs> no, it's funny. That's right, friends. That's uh, right. I, I mean, I'm bringing That's it to the you kind now. of hard hitting analysis you all come here for. You know how? Here, here it is. This is my. I'm going to give you the big meta analysis. I'm totally breaking. I still have all my things written down to come back to. But um, my hard-hitting meta-analysis, this is your direct-from-Brian promise. And Kathy will probably agree with me on this one. You know how Sopranos came back, right? And that was that was like a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. And everyone's like, oh, I'm mm -hmm. watching The Sopranos now. As if, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm, Kathy, I know you're watching The Sopranos. I give all credit to you. It's an amazing show. Please Almost enjoy. done, by the way. But you're oh not like gosh. talking about it all the time. Like, I'm watching The Sopranos. And like, you know, making it every tweet you're talking about and making it some... It was a cultural moment a couple years ago in the beginning. Of yeah, the, yeah. You're just doing it because you're having no, fun. No, I feel Sopranos. like I'm like a decade late. Yeah, no. You're not just trying like, to participate yeah. awkwardly in some... I know. I respect that. I'm like some 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 uh, what's what's it called the uh, uh, <laughs> the discourse. Yes, I'm not trying a... to get swept up in Sopranos yeah. discourse. The last thing that made me want to rewatch The Sopranos was hearing Chapo talk about it almost every episode. I was so super done with that. But um, it's, it's the cultural pressure that makes you like not want to consume certain things. That's why um, I've always jumped off a lot of stuff. But anyway. With the Sopranos, I think that the next big thing that so came I feel up, about Buffy. Yeah, well, I now I now that I did episode thirteen of the other podcast about uh, uh, what's his name, his, the, his name that shall be forgotten, <laughs> the no the creator, um, Joss Whedon, the vampire. 
Oh, that guy, that guy. Self-described yeah. vampire. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so I think that Columbo was the next one to come up, actually. I've, I've seen so much Columbo <laughs> talk in the timeline lately. Tons of Columbo yeah, talk. Yeah, this is come up. Yeah, I feel like I had this conversation with someone recently where they were like, where did this Columbo love come from? Yeah, like, I know that like, uh, Seth on Oh Yeah Dude has been watching it, but that's post everyone talking about it on the timeline. That's, 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 that's uh, like, for the last six months, seven months, a lot of Columbo but, talk. All my friends watching Columbo, literally. Hold on. Yeah. Hold on. I'm going to go to Google Trends. Yeah. <laughs> Find out. Find out. And, and you know what? Oh, I mean. And at the beginning of this conversation, there was a thing that I was going to say that was after Columbo that I think is the next one. Something we were just talking. Oh, Cheers. I think Cheers is the next Columbo. I think Cheers will be the next show that all the kids are talking about in a way that we're like, why? Or we're talking about, should I say. We are but youth at heart. Okay. Give me that hot Columbo dat. Okay, so I'm going to start with how it defaulted to show me when I first went to Google Trends and put in the Columbo search term. And what it defaulted to was the past year. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to just start with that. Okay. All right. Because then what I did was actually zoomed out as far as Google Trends would allow me. And that, my friend, that, my friend. Does so, it tell the story? it's a roller coaster of a narrative, I believe. Okay, so let me start just by screenshotting this as long as I'm here. Okay. You know, just Google Trends. That, nope, failed to do that properly. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I don't know. This, looking at this now, lets me know I have no idea how to use Google Trends, or at least not. Yet. Uh-huh. I'll drop that first screenshot in there. Okay. Over the past 12 months, uh-huh. Columbo yes. saw a dramatic spike oh. in December of 2021. Oh, interesting. Almost exactly a year ago. Hmm. So I don't know exactly what the... So on the x-axis, the bottom axis, you see time. So on this... Uh, on this graph, on the default view, you have December 19th and then May 8th, 2022, and then September 25th, 2022, to presumably now-ish, which is a year, right? So what you see is that at the about now, last year, there was a, like kind of from the mean of 50, and I don't know what the y-axis means. I don't know if that means number of queries. I don't yeah, know if that means like to shift from average. I don't know what it, that means. Maybe, maybe it's shift from, well, if it's shift from average, then it would be yeah, max shift out at from right? average, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. right? It would be a little bit over. So yeah. I'm going to, f- oh, it says no. I don't know what that means, but... Yeah, I don't know what the x-axis means. I'll, I'm going to Google that later. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so you what you basically see is a, a y-axis labeled from 0 to 100. And you see this line of the search for Columbo from around last year to now kind of vaguely stay around 50, except for two key locations. Around this time last year, uh, January 2nd to 8th, when it, I guess, relatively doubled 
a huge spike, a little triangle of a spike. And then again, that happens October 9th through 15th, where it reaches 75%. Uh, I'm going to guess percentages. Okay, so. Now, when you click on the Google Trends and to uh, change the amount of time for which they are collecting searches, you can go back, apparently, 2004 to present. So I did that. Yes. And now this is U.S. only. So yeah. I also want to note there's other filters that are like uh, by country. You can I don't know if you can select more than one. It looks like you can select either worldwide oh. or a specific country. It doesn't seem like you can select more states. than. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh. Okay. oh, states, you say. Oh, Interesting. Kathy, we could know okay. about how many we could know about what New Mexico is searching for. Oh, okay. Oh, my God. Okay. Oh, my God. 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 Okay. 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 Oh, this is fast. It says all categories for the search Columbo. I don't want, you know, I feel like there aren't that many words that could be confused with Columbo. You know, so I agree with that. You know, um, Web search, image search, news search. I'm going to say web search. I feel like that's how most people access it anyway, right? right. So, and again, I I feel like even if you did an image search for Columbo, you have probably also already looked up a Columbo at some point. Yeah, yes, it's true. You're like, hmm, I'm looking up some hot Columbo pics. <laughs> that, that's just some common I'm sense looking for thinking. The, I'm right looking for there. Peter Falk shirtless. See, so what you're witnessing here is all of this hard-hitting data training. Like, really, let me tell you what these lines mean. It goes up, and then it goes down. <laughs> okay, true. so. And there's a spike. Oh, my adding, God. Did Peter Falk die in June 2011? <laughs> is Peter Falk still alive? Oh, we should know that. Okay, okay. So, no, there is. Um, I, I, I see that. Um, I, I see a thing that I did not see before. And I don't know if it's not that it wasn't there before. I just see it now, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm, you know. Mm. So it says that the numbers zero to 100 do, in fact, represent relative search interest over time. Peak popularity. Compared to, like, yeah, highest point. Okay. That means so that right, it'll say, mm-hmm. wow, that means that right now, more people are in that big spike that you, you said that was the, begin, the end of last uh-huh, year. Uh-huh, of last year. Was bigger than when Peter Falk died, which was in... Peak popularity. Peak popularity was yeah. previously when Peter Falk died in June of 2011, which is on the Wikipedia article, so that's yeah. how I tied it that, up. That makes sense. Okay. So I, well, that means so, yeah. in, in death, more popular than in life. Wow. Bless you, Peter Falk. So I'm going to go ahead and screen cap this because that's pretty fascinating. Yeah, that'll go in the screenshots for you. Um, wow. So, yeah, I think Columbo, um, while it had its big sp- – oh, let me just type in um, – let me type in Frasier and Cheers. I'm going to change the two terms here. Frasier, uh, search term. And cheers. Wow. Funny thing. Well, cheers, because oh, cheers is a search term. Cheers. How, what's cheers mean, etc. Let's change filters to mm. cheers, American television. Yeah, American sitcom. And Frasier, 
No, we'll leave that as a search term because some people could search Frasier not knowing what Frasier means or is. Okay. Mm -hmm. So here we go. Frasier does pop out above Cheers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And its peak search terminology was when it ended in 2004. Okay. However, if we look at recently, let's look at the last, let's look at the last five years. American sitcom. Okay. Wow. Um, okay, I will finish putting alt text on those later. Last five years. Okay. That was. A coaster that was a roller coaster wow yeah i mean it basically looks like cheers though oh look at this kathy if you look at it i'm what? right i told you cheers would cheers would overtake fraser if i was investing in the stock market right now i'd be making so much goddamn money if i if i could invest in cultural trends and like know how predict how they would operate look at this if you look at fraser united states search term past five years compared to cheers American sitcom, United States, past five years. Put them back to back. Cheers just fucking exploded. And this is limiting it to American sitcom, not search term. Search term. So that's actually cutting off some of, of its potential searches. Cheers has massively overtaken Frasier in the last, if I, if I limit it, I think, even, not just in the last five years, in the last couple months. 90 days. 90 days. No, yeah, no, I mean, I guess, I guess that's just, you know, everyone just loves cheers, I guess. December 6th. Cheers. There was a massive spike in December 6th. Now, no one passed away that I know. Oh, of course. Excuse me. Holy shit. <gasps> Kirstie what Alley. What happened? Kirstie Alley passed away. Oh, Kirstie Alley passed Yeah, that's right. So that's what it is. Speaking of, yeah. Well, won't speak ill of the dead. She was all, oh, you know, I know she was a right wing nut job. I think that's about all I know, right? But like, that's where I was you gonna, know, that's where I was going to leave it. Said, I suppose I don't really know what she said while she was alive. I don't, I don't, I don't really know anything beyond that. And uh, you know, I guess for me, I had no stake in the game. But you know, I guess I was never much of a Cheers fan anyway. Yeah, anyway. I was. I mean, I well, what were her movies? Um, oh, the Star Trek films. Hold on, don't. Oh, look who's talking. Right, with John Travolta. Look Who's Talking, and she did the TV show Look Who's Talking as well, which only ran for a little bit, I think. Um, oh, 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 Victoria's uh, I need... Veronica's Closet. She did like a bunch of uh, <laughs> network sitcoms. She also, she also, at the end of her career, uh, had a TV show where she was like the creator and star of called Fat Actress, where she made a dramatized version of her life interacting with trying to get uh, acting jobs like later in life when you're not you know what hollywood in quotes is looking for um supposedly it was a good show i i never saw it anyway yeah no i never saw any other stuff really so i was thinking uh, uh back a little bit about what you were saying about mm -hmm. people that we uh, sometimes have lunch with online and i believe mm -hmm. if i was going back to think about the people that we had lunch with um the people who would speak about these kinds of things, such as Cheers or Columbo or whatever. Um, I think of, well, here. 
I don't even want to point him out necessarily. Yes, I will. Fetz. Hello, Mr. Fetz. You are an online person that I have communicated with for a very long time. I know you've listened to this podcast at least once. Um, it is a very strange thing to interact with a person online for a very long amount of time and maybe only half remember their face from a bunch of photos a few years ago or being Facebook friends with you. I can't even remember. Yes, that's right. Um, I'm talking about the concept of having a friendship sort of like, uh, I don't know, people used to add to your MySpace or people used to add to your Facebook. Mm -hmm. You only knew like in the way that you like mm -hmm. know them online. It's a very mm -hmm. strange, uh, interesting thing to have. I remember, for example, uh, another online user here that we have in the lunchroom, Aaron Space Museum, obviously not his real name. Uh, uh, for, I was friends with him, a listener of the program, in fact. Uh, I was friends with him for bunch of time however whenever we decided to start becoming these people uh becoming facebook friends like back in mm -hmm. the day like when i was friends with like uh matt uh chrisman and all those other people that was such a weird thing mm -hmm. to have i'm so glad that he deleted that account because it felt inauthentic in some way to have that but so i mean i i will speak without using any names but like uh i think what i have also found fascinating is how I, I feel like in my experience, yes, like I, I would ship post with someone online. Yes. Uh, somehow they would get added to kind of, yeah, this like inner circle of more real, which was like Facebook, I guess, or MySpace at those times. Yeah. Friendster even, yeah. right? Yeah. Depending on what era of posting we're describing. Um, and uh, so some of those folks that you knew as ship posters, you wind up getting to know as actual people, right? Because like you, you again, you get to see this behind the scenes, right? Yeah. Like the only way behind the scenes works is if there is a front and a back, right? right? Otherwise there is no exclusive, right? Like um, yes. something like that, right? So um, I think... A variety of these folks have had to keep a, I'll say, a more subtle profile, I think, mm. because we live in a capitalist economy where right. we can't, like, necessarily do that. We might have job sensitivities, right? Like, and, and like we, for example, yeah. I, I right now on the show, I may talk about work. I have never mentioned my work. Right. Um, I have never, like, you know, talked about what it is really. Um but, like, I know that if I did, my, like, as long as I was, like, careful with what I was saying, like, I wouldn't be in trouble for it. Right. And certainly, like, if somebody was like, oh, I heard your employee talking about dick and balls online, <laughs> my boss would be like, uh, yeah, weird that you're calling me. <laughs> Who are you? Go away. <laughs> That is, you know, like yeah. it just wouldn't work. Like it just simply would not work, right? They would be like, "Okay, that's weird." Like, but like, I don't know. Like, like I feel. I'm still laughing about dick and balls. I'm sorry. No, I mean, I guess I don't. I, I mean, I don't even work for the kind of place where there would be like, let's say, actual professional repercussions if, like, for a phone call like that. And yet, right. I still want to maintain some semblance of privacy. I guess, right? Um. 
Uh, which is that like uh certainly like you know where i work other people know where i work friends Mm -hmm. of mine may actually who are listening to this right now may know where i work but that i'll be saying this for like just anybody to listen to certainly not right it's like somehow that information has only been entrusted with a a handful of folks right so yeah where's the behind the scenes you know um and what's completely off limits you know like What's like, no, that that could never be part of the backstage. Uh, indeed, uh, another analogy, when when we went to Graceland, um, the upstairs area of Graceland is completely close to the public. Right, right. Because that was like like his like private sanctuary of his room. And apparently even just like in reality, guests wouldn't go up there. It was him and Priscilla. And, and like, that's it. And don't we all deserve a space like that, physical or otherwise, or, you know, a mm-hmm. time, a time to be that, a time to be the public self, you know, the, the backstage, mm-hmm. as you say, or even like the, the thing, I think even the third category, as you described, it's like the completely off limits, like I won't even share with, you know, mm-hmm. coworkers or whatever. And mm-hmm. I, yeah. Cause that's true. Right. Like, even though like my, yeah. my employer would be like shocked at the person calling saying, Kathy was talking about dick and balls, right? Uh-huh. They would be like, okay, you're a weird person for calling here. Yeah. At the same time, like, that's also not something I exactly go around talking about at work either, right? Yeah. Because it's like, well, that that's like TMI, except with maybe like that one coworker you're actually hitting up happy hour with, right? Right. Like where that relationship starts to kind of evolve beyond, oh, here we all are talking about marketing at the water cooler right and then, versus hey who's gonna go watch the game versus let's go get some drinks at the bar versus why don't we go over there and smoke a joint together right like and that's it those are all like evolutions you know, of a relationship especially the, the work relationship especially and it's the funny thing is i've never thought about that until you just said it right now those like different st- or you listed four different stages but i mean yeah it's basically like we have different boundaries and borders with even within different friend groups or different reasons for having friends in different situations mm-hmm. but but four people though or excuse me like the f- like four different zones like that i don't know i feel I like mean, that, yeah, I, I well, don't know that that's a, well let's say it's know, not four zones set, but let's say it's know, not but but i think that even just uh rec- being aware of different stages of different kinds of relationships or working relationships or whatever. It's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, as- so like, for example, like, I feel like I, 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 again, I feel blessed that I feel very, um, uh, dare I say intimate with the folks I get to work with. Yeah. Um, yeah. which is that it's very personal. Right. Um, and so, but even if I think about it, right. Like, there are still boundaries of professionalism and appropriateness. Um, For example, like if I were actually going through some personal challenge, whatever that might be, right? right? I could go tell my boss in complete confidence exactly what was going on 100%. And they would just be like, we probably need to figure out a way to tell like have time off. Um, and then it would be like completely confidential until I like said otherwise, you know, 
I don't know that that happens in other workplaces either, where like people can actually trust that like word won't get out somehow. <coughs> well, right. That, that yeah. it, by accident or by deliberateness, right? Like, I don't know. Like, I, I, I'm just saying, like, yeah. I think that like the more that office politics plays into an environment is I think what I'm getting at. Like the more that that ability to be, I'll say intimate and personal yeah. is chipped away at too. Right. Because then you can't necessarily try like, Oh, well, if I tell Stacy and HR that I've been really upset, she might go tell so-and-so because they've been friends for so-and-so and for 12 years, you know, or something, you know, like, I don't know. Something like that? I I think about... The toxic workplace. Where is that? Anyway, <laughs> yeah, in no, that equation, that's what I mean. No, I, uh, so I guess what I was thinking about is, like, even even between, like, the way that we communicate, I know that when we started out communicating, we were, like, extremely guarded in terms of, like, because we had no idea who the fuck each other were, which was a big barrier to, obviously, any trust at all. But then, like, once we started talking in, like, enough of ep- – we made enough episodes of the podcast, I felt at least comfortable enough to tell you, like, what was going on. Like, if I did – if I couldn't make an episode, mm-hmm. I needed to have a reason why. And so, like, the first time maybe I was, like, kind of, like, trying to quarter explain, like, what was going on. And then, like, the next time I needed an excuse, I needed, like, half explain what was going on. But, but like, eventually over mm-hmm. time, I felt comfortable enough to just say, like, pretty much what's happening. So, you know – I feel like that is something that, you know, evolves over the course of a working relationship. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. and to me, that really makes me think about, I mean, what we were just talking about in terms of Twitter, where you build these kind of temporary, I don't know if temporary is the right word, ephemeral isn't the right word either. They sort of like, it's like a snow drift. It's like, uh, you're not planning to necessarily. And it's not like, I don't know. It just builds up over time. Well, okay. If 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 we were like all in, I like mean, Animal Crossing, yeah. what it would be, or or like, or if we were all actually localized in the same exact physical city, mm-hmm. if you could take all of the people that we talk to in our Twitter ecosystem, right? right? And for whatever reason, just magically pick them up, right. no disturbance or, you know, again, yeah. this is this like the hypoth- complete hypothetical. Yeah. Put us all in there in like some random city. What we would be essentially is a community of regulars. Yeah. That's all we are, right? Like, okay, so like, I mean, it's kind of like the way I go to the grocery store now, right? I go to a grocery store. I go to the same one almost all the time. I mean, there's also not that many to pick one here in Santa Fe. I mean, there's a handful, but really, I, you know, I'm really only going to like this one and that one, yeah. right? Really, on a regular, consistent basis where I get all my shit, right? Right. Um, and so what happens? You get to develop a rapport with those people. You get to see them. And you know what happens? You get to exchange pleasantries and jokes and jibes with them, too, much in the yes. same way we do in these online spaces. It's yes. like there's something very, like, um, I'll, I dare say community building about it um, in a sense that's also this, like, very normal interaction, right? It's, like, it's there's, there's also this... Just, yeah. Because it's just like ships passing in the night. It just happens to be who logged in at that exact moment. I feel like I do a lot of drive-by posting, right? Yes. And what I mean by that is I, like, yep. I, I, there will be 24, 48, 30, 
six, 150 hours that I will go without looking at it. And then I'll come back and like read and do like a retweet storm and then go away. It's my favorite. I love it. And then come back and then be like, I'm going to interact with people for an hour. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. Because I'm in the bathtub. Yeah. Or something, right? Like, because I'm, because I'm like, yeah, because my feet are soaking. I'm about to like give myself a petty, right? Like, or some shit. Yeah. Like, I can't do anything else except this. So I'm going to do this. Or I'm in line somewhere and I'm just, okay, I'm going to enjoy this. It's going to be fun. I'm waiting for my oil change. It's cool. Perfect. Tweet. How many friends have we made? Um, I remember that. I can remember a moment when I was sitting at an oil change like eight, nine years ago. And I took a picture of just like the room. And it didn't say any words with it. And I posted it. And I remember someone replied to me like, oh, getting your tires or oil change or something. I was like, yep. That's, it was like, oh, I wish I could. Well, no, because it's deleted now. So I don't actually know. And I can't. Then it, because the tweet's deleted, I probably can't find out who replied to me either. That's mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, but that's what I mean. Like, the, how many of our bestest friendships started because somebody posted a picture of their life? Started in on a stew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh hey man i love those yukon gold potatoes they really make the stew oh yeah and totally. then someone else chimes in got yourself a stew going yeah i mean how many how about this how many um different like food guys have started little friendships and communities around around our side of the net like ryan lost in texas for example film twitter yeah ryan <laughs> ryan lost in texas is like Discogs twitter food posts <laughs> have created entire communities. I guarantee it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. Um, it's great. People who post about building their goat farm. Fucking sick as hell. Yeah, how about, uh, how, about how the whole internet can bond over uh, Gerald's um, big veg, right? Like, you know? Yeah, how... right. The, the, and, or, or, or I can see a post of his from like a day ago and I can, I can click on it and know that at least one of the goofballs that are following me or like in my world are going to, I've already replied and gone like great big veg, Gerald. Nice job. <laughs> and Gerald will have replied to them saying like, thanks or something like that. It's yeah. like, <laughs> like that. I know. And, and then all me, is right with the world. It's then all, I right, mean, all is right with the world. And then yeah. I feel like my community has then touched the world. Then I know Big Veg <laughs> Gerald, the UK's favorite man, has uh, has been touched by someone that I know. And then the world feels a little bit smaller. And and I will also say this, and I, I certainly do not mean this in a paternalistic way, because like BB880, who has been posting his lunch and his buses. Oh, yeah. And like his daily goings on for, I don't know, uh, 12 years or more at this point, I'm sure, on, yes. on the Twitter account. That is also one of the things that I can always count on, that someone somewhere in his replies has said, that looks like a great lunch, Brian. Hope you're doing okay, buddy. That's usually me. Um, <laughs> I love Brian so much. No, yeah, no, I do too. I, you know, and like, I just mean like, but like, no, like it used to be, and see, this is also, I think like kind of like the sadness of like losing Twitter slowly by this like slow erosion that is occurring as people like give up, they close their accounts, they, they, they get suspended, right? Like this slow erosion 
this crumbling of this sandcastle we all worked so hard to build together on this beach of yeah. of the internet, right? Um, it used to be that a lot of people would be in any of those people's replies. There would be like 400 of the that corner of Twitter in those people's replies going, great veg, great veg, great veg, <laughs> or great lunch, great lunch, great lunch, great lunch. You know, like, I don't know, something about like actual, so, something about the community actually taking care of itself in a way yeah. that wasn't corny. It wasn't extractive. Yeah. It wasn't ironic. It was completely sincere and caring. And I feel like anybody who ever came and any of those folks, like not with like a sincerity, were kind of like booed and yeah. shunned. You and, know? and pushed off. It was like, this is perfect and wonderful. Please don't fucking ruin it. <laughs> yes. And, and you know what it was? Was it was people who had, at least if not been that person in the past, understood that person and was able to say the right thing to make them go away for good instead of, or feel bad at least so that they would stop doing it, you know, get the point of what they were doing was like not helpful to the conversation at least. Um, something like that. That's what I feel. I mean, there is a time when drill reply guys were being shunned too. I don't even remember what was drill initially. I mean, no, I know he was like a something awful forums poster, but like, w was was Drill initially like a an account that a guy actually used? Like, I know he's like a person who actually operates the account, but like, was he adding people in like a normal way, and then eventually it became like by 2010 or I don't know, a long time ago, it became like what it is now, which is like a joke account. I think I think it was always them. I think I I think like. You know, there are some posters. Uh, like our, like our, like like a utility limb and gray alien, like who yeah. were like they're like uh, the the uh, um, God, there's 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 like the the Rasta Simpsons guy. What's his fucking Everyone name? Everyone at home, go or look whatever up the fuck it was. Final post. <laughs> yeah, marijuana Simpsons. What was that guy's fucking name? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. I forget. I forget. I forget. I remember the that name guy. Of... Anyway, that guy. Okay. Yeah. So like, so there's like, there's, there's like, on some level, these like, <laughs> these people who's like, they're they were posters, but it was their persona. Like it yes. was kind of this like elaborate joke, and then at some point, like, you know, like, uh, I, I think like by Bandit or whatever, or Utility Limb or whatever the fuck his name was, because right. it was like both of those, right? At some point, I don't, I don't remember. There's the display. I don't, again, I don't remember. Um, yeah, we all, yeah. That was like clearly like a person who was like doing a bit and then was like, okay, I can't, I don't want to do this bit anymore. Like, it's funny. I've had my fun, but like, I have like, I have like an actual job. Like, I have like kids and I have to like go make dinner now, you yeah, know? Like, my, my cat just died. Up, but, like, that's, that's my, my guess. My it's cat probably... just died. And I can't do this right now. I can't be fake. I can't be the little I'm jokester. Fucking... Yeah. You know, and it's why, like, like the Hulk film guy had to break character, right? right? Like, oh, my God, I forgot about that, too. Holy shit. 
right but like oh. that's what's so funny it's like because it's like the bit can only go on so far so yeah, it's long like right taking it's like, off the frock to like go do more i, I mean deeds. isn't that what yeah. andy kaufman taught us too like like really like did he really die of cancer like y'all i think he really fucking did like i don't think he's alive somewhere he didn't quit we'd have he would have come back by now yeah i feel like i feel like anyone who's left he may have been reincarnated as johnny knoxville though yeah that would fit Hmm. anyway that's um i think about posters um uh gone all the time but a lot of them that really ring in my head are the ones that were tiny accounts with 300 400 followers or whatever or maybe even less you know a lot of the accounts that i still keep in touch with if you look at my my follower following Mm -hmm. uh, ratios or whatever and i really do look at well i don't even know a lot of them are protected accounts i guess so you can't see like whatever on them but a lot mm-hmm. of the people that mm-hmm. I communicate with, I've been communicating with for like years, but they're not like, you know, big posting accounts. They have like a lockdown account mm-hmm. with like 150 followers and that's all it is. And it's like someone who's just there again, dare I basically. say there it's, it's, it's the live journal aspect. It's the community building aspect, yeah. right? Because, because there was, again, I, I feel like this is also these separations of what it means to be on and off stage in whatever this panopticon of staging is here in this war in this society, right? Like, yeah. um, which is that like, like it or lump it, you kind of are always on, right? Like if I go to city council and say something like there I am on YouTube, you can find me, you know, like, that's weird. Like, that's really bizarre. You know, I, I say I, if because I don't do that shit. You know, that's gross. Why would I do that? You know, but like, but like that happens. And like, it, like it, even like in the community, you might become like the person who always knows about politics in my case, for example. So people are like, who should I vote for? <laughs> like, I can't tell you. Not because I don't have an opinion, but because it's like, it's not one I fundamentally believe it's not my opinion to have, right? Like, but um, also because second, I think, uh, I think it should be obvious, <laughs> I think on some level. And, and um, yes, but um, uh, <laughs> I should note that when I was asking uh, you to tell me who to vote for, Kathy, in a very literal sense, as I had my ballot out and I was just filling it out, I already knew who I was going to vote for. And I kind of just, no, I mean, bit. yes. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. No, I mean, no, but, and, but like, and, and to but be like, clear the to the audience, is is also like... to be clear to the audience, we would end up voting for the same people anyway. I don't, I don't know yeah, if you don't right. know that or not, but. No, but like, uh, all, but even all jokes aside, right? Yes. Like, part of it is because it's like, I don't know, like, there's this weird on and off stageness that happens whether we want to be on or off stage because surveillance occurs, because like, I don't know, because it's just we have tracking devices on our person, right? That unless you're kind of savvy enough to turn off location tracking. I'm like wearing a watch. I'm thinking like, which device is, oh, this phone that I'm looking into and the watch that I'm wearing. Oh, cool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, I mean, so on some level, you're kind of always on stage. And I'm, you know, actually also concerned about that is uh, here on Twitter, they're starting to to talk about like what other changes might happen, which is that they might like force location tracking on if you want to continue using the site, which at that point I would be like, yeah, no, I'm just going to say no. Yeah. Well, because I don't trust this guy with it. It's not because like, I I mean, cause like, I I don't know. I still carry my stupid ass phone around with me. Right. So like T-Mobile's doing it or whatever. 
you know. And here's a promise to <laughs> They everyone. can give it to the cops. I guarantee you this podcast will go at least two more weeks past Twitter not existing. In fact, I think it should probably continue indefinitely if Twitter doesn't exist because that'd be really fucking funny. Um, yeah, no, I think so because uh, this will this will be the only way we could like get messages out into the world. Exactly, it'll be like 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 if like like if the grid went down, you know what I would probably start doing? I would probably start writing messages in bottles and finding ways to check them into like waterways <laughs> and be like, yeah, I um, <laughs> there that's actually something that frequently happens here. You'll just be like going around like a canoe or something and a little bit lower than everyone else maybe in their boat or maybe you're just boating boating by and you're gonna see like a a wine bottle or something sticking up out of the canal basically everyone in this town thinks they're having the novel idea i live on waterfront i live in a canal wouldn't it be funny if we put a message in a bottle and threw it in the water and especially people who visit so you have these people are coming these air and b&b's and sometimes like multiple people a week and they're thinking haha i'll throw this message in a bottle into the canal and so it ends up that it's not like a once in a lifetime find here you will have probably most people who live on the water who have discovered many messages in bottles um mm -hmm. this is a funny idea though and yeah they all wash start, start the throw, stop throwing your silly yeah. trash into our ocean S speaking of there was actually a man whose friends buried his ashes in a bottle with a message that said like these are my ashes like please if you find them please rebury them like that was in cape coral they recently found that only like five six months ago wow and he said the message said like my or it says like or they made it say like my friends placed me here because this was my favorite place in the world or whatever which is like i guess the mangroves just over there <laughs> hey anyway to our listeners i finally finished putting all the alt text on the colombo graphs so enjoy <laughs> yes thank you i'm gonna take a look tweeted mm -hmm. colombo mm. anyway so let me tell you a little bit about what i've been watching yes. um more true crime just kind of random lifetime bullshit i saw i was watching a canadian one which was interesting oh, just because wow. everything was pronounced slightly differently. What, what did you get into? <laughs> it was called um, Murder Comes to Town. Oh, that is very And it's Canadian. on Hulu. <laughs> okay. What did you glean from that? Did was, you take anything away from it? That basically, it's the same story except Canadian. You know, like, it's still like, oh, there was a... There was a murder, and we didn't know who did it, and it turned out to be the husband, and okay. it turned out to be the estranged boyfriend, and it turned out to be that drifter that was spotted doing robberies earlier in the week that the cops didn't do anything about. Hey. Right? Things like that. So, hey, yeah. Bud. Um... That's what this case was about, <laughs> you know, or whatever. You know, shit like that. Sweet. It's cool. Sweet. Um, I've been busy because I have this like big work thing happening. And then after that, it'll be like holiday breaks. So I'm excited because then I'll really be able to dive in to like reality TV. But uh, for now, we've just been on our uh, holiday viewing kick. But um, this has kind of gone all over the place. Because um, it's not just um, like holiday movies. So for example, uh, it, we'll have like inspired double features. Uh, so 
well, we did watch a holiday movie recently. We weren't going to watch Christmas Vacation because, okay. of course, we've seen it like a thousand times, right? But then Angelo Badalamenti, the musical composer, passed away, so we decided to watch it. Um, but we did a double. Fe- oh, we just did a really good double feature of. Uh, I'm not going to remember, <laughs> but it was really good. <laughs> Um, anyway, it's just been a lot of Christmas movies, things of that sort. Uh, I, I'll try to remember the double feature, but I'm, you know, kind of, I did kind of wake and bake. Okay. Well, <laughs> hey, who, well, I did today, so. <laughs> but I was going to see, it's called pre-production, everyone. I had to get on, I had to get up, and I had to play about 45 minutes of Grand Theft Auto Online before we did the show. That's just what I needed. Um... Let's see. I had M&M's and coffee for breakfast. Oh, I That's have I, I have I have had nothing. I should probably have some orange juice, grapefruit juice, something. Um, oh, what was I going to say? Um, yes. You said you watched The Way Shows. Down, the Gwen Shamblin yes. thing? Yes, so I watched The Way Down, the Gwen Shamblin thing. And it is now, I guess there's a second part. It was filmed a few months later or something. I didn't know. Um, it, to me, it all seemed to run together. I noticed, but there was a uh, episode four might have been the only thing that was part two. Maybe I, mm-hmm. hard, hard mm-hmm. to tell. I think that's right. Okay. Well, either way, it um, really gives you the rest of the story. Um, starts and ends at the same place. I will say, uh, Gwen Shamblin was well. You've heard the story before. I mean, it's a uh, a. You've heard most of the story before. A woman in the religious community, usually a person in the religious community, rises to some uh, notoriety through fundraising means and uses their access and uh, money to continue to grow their access and money to enhance their life. That's basically it. Um, in this case, this woman, Gwen, uh, Gwen Shamblin, which I don't even know if she was like uh, a minister or anything specifically. I think she was perhaps even just like the, almost like the Keith Rainieri of the operation, like the <laughs> spiritual head almost. Like, because she wasn't like doing the sermons, right? She had like people doing like the. She had like people. Do- I think she was like, yeah, like the MC, maybe is I think another yeah. way to. The ringmaster, maybe, if, if we were to continue with this, like, performance analogy. Right. Yeah. And she was trying to... Uh, can I... Um, oh, I'm going to interrupt the recording for one sec here. Mm-hmm.
Goodness. Goodness. <laughs> so Kathy here um, in a pocket universe was just describing to me about a book she was reading. And Kathy, why don't you go ahead and take it away? Yeah, so it is uh, the very first history of New Mexico. And it was written in 1630 because it was written by a Spanish priest. And so um, I'm cautious, of course, to say that like um, it's the first written history of New Mexico, right? It's mm -hmm. the first like documented history of, of what was happening in this area. Um, and so I, I guess like... Um, in the like kind of larger context of where we are in time, right? So, um, Mexico City as like a thing, like contact with Cortez and like the uh, like with Montezuma, the Aztecs, and the Spanish as Cortez, like that, that first contact basically happens 1521, right? So in that time, the Spanish are like, whoa, where have we landed? And they start coming up north, right? And and as they start to come up north, they go in a bunch of different directions. They go up the California coast, they come up uh, through New Mexico, they go along the Texas coast, they get to Florida, right? Like, kind of, you know, and then all along through the south, right? And all of that happens at all of this time, and all of it's taking its own, its own little corner, right? Um, I'm drawing them. So, yeah, the first like expedition that kind of identifies that there are settlements in the area happens in 1539, and about like about 20 years from their first landing in in Mexico, right? So, okay. 20 years later, people are coming back, going, "Whoa, like we've seen shit up north." But this is where the, like, um, legends of the cities of Cibola come from, basically from this first expedition, where everyone's like, we hear that these there's these, like, cities of gold and shit like that, oh. right? Which, of course, isn't, isn't the case. Right. Um, so fast forward um, to around 1600, a couple years before that, 1598 is what we're talking about is now the first actual Spanish settlement coming up into the area that we now call Santa Fe. And that is because in order to get from Mexico City to Santa Fe, the the journey was not easy, right? Just like a lot of this, you know, there weren't roads. We couldn't just, we can just take a train or a, a Greyhound, right? So like um, all of the provisions, it was like one of the hardest of journeys. So like not just anybody could do it either. Right. So very small amount of people make it to this place we now call Santa Fe in 1598. And in 1630, about 30 years later, basically, this guy shows up and he goes, hey, you guys have basically been settled here now for about 30 years. I want to kind of tell me how it's how is it going? Because I have to write a report to the king. He wants to know how it's going up here in these lands that he calls his. Yes. Right. So he basically is an accountant. Right. He's he's not an explorer. Okay. Um, all of those people have already come here, I guess, in, in, in that sense. Right. Like the, those that was the first wave of arrivals. This is now the bureaucrat coming to be like, OK, well, you've had 30 years to start extracting taxes from these poor fools. And what was this fellow? Tell name? me. How, uh, this guy's name is Frey Alonso de Benavides. He was born in Portugal. Um, he becomes a Spanish 
guy. I don't I don't know how that shit works, right? They, he married into it. I don't fucking know. Um, okay. Oh, he's a Franciscan friar, uh, and because he's a he's a Franciscan friar. That's right. So he's he's here as a priest, but he's basically an accountant. He's he's the accountant class of the priestly class. Okay. I see. I've, here's my notes so far, Professor. I don't know if you've seen. <laughs> okay. Oh my god. No, it's hilarious. So, because that's basically why I shared that map with you. Because you can see it's all basically in here. So yeah, you know, uh, like my my migration map. I do. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's amazing. So. uh <laughs> There's going to be a test on this. At yeah, the I was going to quiz know? the audience, actually. <laughs> so he basically, he, he, he's basically writing a report to the king where he's like, hey, so he describes where Me where New Mexico is located, mm -hmm. um, you know, like, and, and it's lands, right? Like, it's rocky, right? Basically what he says, right? Mm -hmm. And then he goes, essentially, um, up the Rio Grande, um, and of course, and I say of course, but like the majority of indigenous settlements are along this river. That makes sense. It's a water source, right? And of course, they are not only found along the river, but as these folks are coming up, they've basically been able to identify where some of these pueblos, these groups of folks are living. And of course, they start giving them Spanish names like San Ildefonso Pueblo or San Juan Pueblo or Santa Ana Pueblo, right? But th those folks were all, you know, their own people before right. they were given this name, name, right? Yeah. So that name. Um, but he, but so this, this monk, this friar, he's going up the river and going over here at the Santa Anas and over here at the San Ildefonso's and he's describing them at this point in the narrative, very just kind of stark terms. They're, the village spans about this big, there's this many dwellings, and we approximate this many people, but we've baptized this many, right? So the, whenever they're like, and we baptize that many, that's basically their official count of how many people are in that area. Um, mm. And there's some spicy meatballs as he goes describing these because even though without you know while in this first half of the narrative he's not editorializing really of course he is because mm. he can't help it um it's yeah it's the 1500s or the yeah right or what was this what was the published date on this book 16 1630 okay. yeah so he basically writes this report and it is given to the king and it's like an official document to the king it's like an official report right it's like Here's like yeah, what's it's happened a, for the last hundred years in your domain. Yeah. This is what's up. Yeah. Okay. Really for the last 30, though, in oh. this area, right? Like, so not a heck of a whole lot of time, I guess, in that sense, right? But that's a whole generation, right? That's a lot. A lot has happened in that time. That's right. Um, so that said, ain't nothing. Because Santa Fe is 1598. Uh-huh. Okay. That's right. Ish. Ish. Yeah. So, like, they arrive in that. Uh, the Spanish arrive to this area in that time. Um, Santa Fe is the capital is established in 1609, but like they'd already been here for like a decade or like a decade or something before they actually established the capital at that location. Okay. Right. So they had been kind of putzing around doing exploring and conquering and pillaging and genociding. Right. So they'd been around. Oh. Right. And so, 
waiting for more of these monks to arrive to now start setting up churches and things, right? And that's just the Spanish way, essentially, right? And they probably even brought some clergymen with them. But in that first wave, it's probably just guys with swords, right? So, yeah. you is know. There, is there um, a museum in New Mexico to the time before, like, the Spanish showed up and stuff? Is there, like, a, a museum of, like, history at all like i don't um i mean i guess i would say that that would be like um like probably north of town is like the poet cultural center right but like i mean i i think like this is even so like I, I say this because like the reason i'm reading this book is i'm doing it for work although this is like the nerd hours That's part of fun. part of it like like this isn't for work this is like like the, what i'm doing for work is currently finding census data numbers and I, I play in census data numbers a lot, right? So I'm at the, like, census.gov website, like, pulling spreadsheets Ooh, and okay. doing shit like that, right? And, like, I'm about to start doing a lot more of it. And that's, like, really exciting. Right now I'm, like, just kind of, like, in training, as it were. Okay. Like, I, like, kind of getting up to date on kind of the latest software type of shit. Right. Very exciting. I'm very excited sounds about ex this. But, cool like, because me. of it... I get to, like, play in data a lot right now. And this is, for me, very fun. And so... I, I, I was looking at, hmm, I want to take data up to this range of time, right? And so I had settled, like, on a certain range of time. And then because I'm a nerd, I was like, well, I wonder how far back I could actually find those numbers. And in this case, it was population data. And I was like, well, of course, we're not going to find anything at least until, like, Spanish arrival and conquest. I'm like, because I and I, I can't speak for the indigenous community. I, I admit, like, that I am pretty ignorant. <laughs> it's I've spent a whole lifetime trying not to be. Um, but um, instinctually, I believe that probably a census taking, as we understand census taking, was probably like not a concept that indigenous communities were dealing with. I don't think that they were going around one, two, three, four, five of this age, of that age, and taking like detailed notes. Like, I don't think that like, that's like a concept. I think I like what they were doing, <laughs> yeah. right? I think if anything, they were like, hey, another baby. I guess you'd have, right? to, like, you'd, I, have like, to, you'd have to trace it back to like the purposes of of, uh, of census taking at all, which would be taxation, I assume. And I don't right. know if that was a concept, broadly speaking, mm -hmm. in that capacity, mm -hmm. like per person, per head, you know, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So, so, so I found that fascinating, right? Because like what that told me was that whatever numbers this uh, – Franciscan friar is reporting in his book. They're colored by two things, no matter what one, his likelihood to exaggerate because he wants to look good in front of the King. So that's one, okay. right? Cause it's a report for his boss. So we're doing great okay. numbers this quarter boss. Yes. I like that. How the fuck is the King going to know he's all the way the fuck over there? Like what's he going to do? Pop in. That is just, it's not, it's not how this works back then. Right. So yeah. they're like, Oh, it's, that soul conversions going great guy. That's amazing to think about. Cause it happened. I mean, anyone reporting back to the King of England had to be just telling him some kind of huge line of bullshit. I imagine. Well, see, and so like, this is what I was thinking, right? So like I started looking at it through the lens of me as a government wonk, 
approaching data. How do we know that any number is reliable, right? And so this guy, mind you, is like, remember what I said? He's just coming up to take a report. So even he doesn't live there. But he might so want to- So now imagine, yeah. But he might want to <laughs> take that report again and thereby uh, extend his stay by playing with the numbers a little bit and saying, and, and just creating a scenario in which it looks like he might need to stick around or check right, more maybe. things out. Or, or here's another or maybe one. maybe he hates it. I, <laughs> pretend i'm this guy and i come to you and i go hey brian so you've been in charge of this outpost over here for the last 30 years and uh, i'm just some dipshit oh thank you thank you yeah Yeah. no you're part of that first wave so uh, i'm here making a report for the king and you have never seen my ass before now you know that i'm here in official capacity and I go to you, you oh, so uh, how many souls have, yeah, I have a badge, like, like hey. <laughs> and uh, you go, and I say to you, so how many souls have you converted? And I'm and like, you go, oh. Uh, <laughs> Kicking around, I'm, I'm like lifting up the tablecloth, like looking underneath any other souls down here. Oh, let me, not <laughs> not let too me. many. Oh, not doing, you know, doing better. Uh, we did better last year than this year. We're down in fiscal three. I don't know. I don't know how it's going to do. I mean, you know, not many because not many people live around here. But here's the thing. If you report back that we're not doing too well, it might not look good on you either. So if you deal right. with me here, let's we can talk about this. Okay, so let's let's see. So like this is kind of like where I start to get into like yes, it's a first account, but like it's colored by the fact that like we have like all of the people in this narrative, they all had a motivation to lie and make the numbers feel more grandiose than they actually were, right? Uh, now, I'm not saying that they actually did exaggerate. For all I know, they're Franciscan friars and, you know, lying is like, you know, anathema to their <laughs> vows as clergymen. Yeah, they think it's so You scary. know, but they're also like raping and murdering people. So I don't yeah. know where I think lying where sits I underneath personally all that, draw really. that line. Yeah, just, just somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So like, because like, for example, at some point he gets to the, the mines, the rich mines of like uh, various precious uh, rocks and minerals, silver and gold that are found down south in Socorro, New Mexico. And he says that the Spanish people that are in charge there are underestimating the worth of the mine and that if those people were smarter, uh, the king should be able to extract far more taxes than he's collecting at those mines. Um, it's a very like interesting thing to see where he's like really being a bootlicker, and then in places where he's like, I don't know, I just took their word for it. I just wanted to like, I was just passing through. I was just looking at the rocks, and I was like, Hey, that's cool. All I right. was like, and like as it's Neat. getting to like the end of the report, you can see that like the entries for all of them get like shorter and shorter and shit. And I'm like, Yo, this dude didn't do his fucking homework. Like he, this is like a like in my gut, I believe this book. To be fundamentally a lie, right? <laughs> yeah. So, like, okay, so let me tell you. Yeah, let me read just one. Also, the journalistic publishing standards of the 1600s, I imagine, weren't particularly high in terms of someone's lying. Like, no one's looking it up. That that word for word mm-hmm. is going in that book, so. Okay, so. Mm-hmm. Let me read to you his description of the Villa of Santa Fe. Mm -hmm. So at this point in 1630, Santa Fe has been the capital for only 20 years. Okay. Okay. So as a like actual established location, 
with like some kind of political significance. Very young, very young right now. Mm -hmm. Here I arrive at the V of Santa Fe, the capital of this kingdom, where the governor and about 250 Spaniards reside. Only about 50 can go about armed due to lack of weapons. Oh. Hmm. Remember this. This will be important. Okay. And although they are few and poorly provisioned, God has permitted them to constantly emerge victorious in their fights. Oh. God has also caused among the Indians a great fear of the Spaniards and their arquebuses. I have heard that they flee whenever they hear that a Spaniard is going to their pueblos. In order to promote this kind of fear, the Spaniards use their arquebuses with great vigor whenever they go out to punish a rebellious Pueblo. If this were not the case, the Indians would often be inclined to murder the Spaniards, knowing that they are so far from Spain from which a bit of help might come. The soldiers are all well-drilled and humble and for the most part are a good example to the Indians. Um... Your majesty does not support this procedure with payments from his royal coffers, but rather by allowing the governor to appoint encomendarios for these pueblos, just basically a taxation system. The tribute that each household of Indians gives them is a blanket, which is a vara of cotton cloth and a fanega of corn each year, with which these poor Spaniards sustain themselves. They hold about 700 souls in service. So that with Spaniards, Mestizos, and Indians, there are perhaps a thousand people in this place. The Spaniards are so scrupulously obedient to their governors that they go forth with their arms and horses at their own expense in response to whatever group there may be arising in opposition and acquit themselves valiantly. The only thing they lack is the most important, a church. What they have is a wretched shack. Oh. This is because the priests have concentrating on establishing churches for the Indians they have been converting. They constantly tend to live among those people. And so when I came into the area as its custodian, I began the construction of a church and rectory to the honor and glory of our Lord God that would be outstanding anywhere. Our clerics now teach Spaniards and Indians there to read, write, play instruments and sing, as well as all the arts of polite society. This place, although cold, is the most fertile in all of New Mexico. So he will build a very small building in what is now the Cathedral of St. Francis of Assisi. Because the the San Miguel Church that is just down the street, that church wasn't built for fine Spaniards. That church was built for all of the people who actually built Santa Fe, the Analco Indians who came with them, who came with the Spanish as slaves up from Mexico. That is crazy. So the church that's right across the street from the pink adobe, that's the slave church. But this guy is building the church for the Spaniards at the location that will be St. Francis of Assisi. Because, of course, that cathedral isn't built until the 1800s when, after U.S. territory, when the Frenchmen come in under Lamy, the guy who is, of course, the fictional protagonist, he's real, but the protagonist is fictional, and Willa Cather's death comes for the archbishop. Anyway, that's a whole other story. I didn't. Because that, a... that that doesn't happen until 
uh, let me find the year. Uh, that doesn't happen until 1882. Are there any more Franciscan friars who wrote books with 30-year history? 1886, sorry. Is there a sequel to this? Like... Uh, no, so this is actually what I want to do is to like, I, I I was looking at the books and I was looking for the one that would take me to like the first history, at least the first accounting, right? And like, yeah. I can't say this is a true history, right? Yeah. Can I say that this is reality? I'm not sure, Brian. I'm not sure that I can hmm. really say that this is a reality. Okay. What it is, is a travel log, right? Uh, the, the, I feel like this dude is being Anthony Bourdain. Yeah. Um Anthony Bourdain, 1602. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there was one that I wanted to share. But he, 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 liked, he liked the... Um, uh, the yeah, Frito, here it is. Uh, what's his name? Excuse me, I wrote it down. He, li- he did Fre- he, he, Fre- he, the Frito pie. Damn it. Yeah. I, I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So... Here, uh, Frey Alonso starts to describe the Picuris Nation, which is a, um, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, and I feel like that's how a Mexican would pronounce Picuris. But Picuris is um, located just south of Taos Pueblo um, in current day uh, New Mexico. It's, it's, you know, it is like a current day actual place. It's not one of the places. So like, there are some places in this book that he identifies that either he misidentified or don't exist anymore. It's hard to tell because like there's sometimes he makes a misspelling or a misidentification, but it's clear he's talking about like, let's say, uh, Jemez Pueblo let's say right um but sometimes he'll name a group and i've been like looking for them and it's like no i think this i think either he misheard it misspelled it or like or maybe those people have been genocided i have no idea right right? like maybe they've moved and or something you know but like um sometimes it's hard to tell like um in these accounts like most of them are real most of them have like real i say real like in the sense that like they exist to this day the other ones and that's what i mean it's because i have no idea whether these are also inventions oh oh because they're still believing in the seven cities of cibola at this point they still think there are like actual cities of gold out there somewhere so i don't you know i don't know how much of this is like fantastic either now again it's it, it doesn't they don't describe anything like fantastical here he's not like you know putting in dragons where there aren't he any or something like that or something or maybe doesn't. i just mean like it's just it's hard to know whether it's actually the truth that he's describing he's not a reliable narrator is i guess what i'm kind of really getting yes. at right like so even if he's describing this about the piquities pueblo like for all I know, he's misremembering it and describe and actually means to describe, let's say, Taos Pueblo, and he just put it in the wrong margin or something, you know? And that's what I mean. Like, it's hard for me to know actually whether what he's describing is actually about these people, right. part of a story he heard, um, or like a relation, like, oh, well, 10 years ago, we arrived and this happened because there will be like, oh, and then there was this miracle of how they were all converted to the Christian faith immediately. And I'm like, I don't know about that. Yeah, the miracle, the miracle was, uh, well, that's its own story. And I didn't write, okay, a, book, okay, I didn't write so. a book about that part. So 
All right, I didn't write exactly. Okay, so. That wasn't my job. Here he arrives at the Piquity Station, and he says, um, Here there are 2,000 souls now baptized and a rectory and church where people are well taught and instructed in the faith. The Bikuri's people have been the most indomitable and treacherous in the entire kingdom, and some of the clerics have suffered a great deal because of this. The Bikuri's have struck them and otherwise treated them badly in their hatred of our holy Catholic faith. The friars enduring this deserve a great deal of credit. Several times the Indians have wanted to kill the priest who is currently ministering to them, and it is only our Lord who has delivered him from their hands. Once going out to seize and kill him on the road. They broke out in a cold sweat in his presence and trembled with fear. And another time when they came in to grab him, he became invisible and they were greatly confounded. Today, God be, God be praised, they are quite peaceful and well-instructed in their catechisms. Although these Indians belong to the Tewa nation, they are on their own as they are separated from the rest of the Tewa people who are further to the south. They have quite a fertile country, which produces fruit in great abundance in very little time. There is a great deal of water here in various streams and trout in them and mines with fine garnets in them and no one around with a will to work them. Huh. Okay. Um, That's such a crazy thing to say that like, well, I mean, of course it is. But he's telling, but he's telling this king that there's like mm -hmm. un unexploited resources in the area, garnets specifically, and mm -hmm. that like, uh, what a shame that we can't actually get them up, or no one's even taking them up, so that we can take them from them, or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I imagine that will be one of the items in the you know king's man's response to like his thing. Will be like, let's go fuck up that garnet town. That's right, because I feel like that's basically what he's saying is when he says there's people with no will to work them, I don't think that he's necessarily saying, although I believe he is, that there's also a source of exploitable labor. I was thinking. And I think what he, just, like, just like what he was saying with Socorro, it's that the Spaniards aren't actually willing to do the work either. Okay. Yeah. Yes. That sounds right. Because I, I, I mean, I, I think like, I mean, in, in 1630, if you don't really know how to survive up here, I feel like that would be a fucking full-time job. Uh, I, this oh, is not yeah. easy land to try to like pull nutrients from. Yeah. Like, and here they were dealing with the Pueblo uh, peoples who have basically like figured all of this out. Right. And they ago, were, yeah. mm hmm Anyway, so let me read to you next um, and lastly in, from, from this little chunk, um, his description of Taos. The Pueblo of the Taos people lies seven leagues onward in that same northerly direction from Picuris. It is of the same nation, although the language varied somewhat. There are 2,500 baptized souls with a friary and a church that have been established with great care by the two friars in charge of its conversion. These Indians are well taught in church doctrine, and in the year just past 1627, our Lord confirmed his holy word with a miracle among them. Okay. Are you ready for this miracle? I'm stoked for this miracle. As it happened, it was difficult for them to stop having so many women, as was their custom before they were baptized. Oops. Each day, the friar 
the friar preached to them the holy sacrament of matrimony, and the person who contradicted him most strongly was an old Indian sorceress. Oh. Under the pretext of going to the countryside for firewood, she took along four good Christian women okay. and married at that, all conforming to the good order of our Holy Mother Church. And coming and going in their wood gathering, she was trying to persuade them not to continue with the kind of marriage our Padre was teaching, saying how much better off a person was practicing her old heathenism. Okay. These good Christians resisted this kind of talk. They were getting close to the Pueblo again, and the sorceress was carrying on with her sermon. The sky was clear and serene, but a bolt from the blue struck that infernal instrument of the devil right in the middle of those good Christian women who had been resisting her evil creed. They were spared from the bolt and quite confirmed in the truth of the holy sacrament of matrimony. The entire Pueblo ran to the spot. Seeing the results of the thunderclap from heaven, everyone who had been secretly living in sin got married and began to believe mightily in everything the Padre taught them. He, of course, made this episode the subject of a sermon. Every afternoon, he preached to them at the time for church music, as is also the custom in other friaries. May all this be to the glory of our Lord God. It is an incredibly cold country with a great abundance of provisions and livestock. So I'm going to, I'm going to break it down my way. So there's mm -hmm. a lady who seemed like mm -hmm. a sorceress and she was walking with four married Christian ladies of the, of, of, of the way. And they're being bothered by her supposedly and uh she's all about this is how marriage should be and they're like no it should be like this and then a bolt of lightning strikes a tree near them and not them and that's the miracle because no one got no it strikes the lady it oh. strikes it strikes the lady oh, who okay. is sorry the sorceress the the lady who is like whoa well that's um you should go back to the old way of marriage with multiple wives and they say, and they were like, "No, we kind of like this setup." Okay, interesting. I guess the the Christian setup, I guess, is is I guess this story, right? She's with like these these, these other women have been converted to good mm -hmm. Christians, so they believe in one man, one woman marriage is that, right? So, and the other one is trying to be like, join my polycule. Well, I mean, I mean, in modern terms, I'm sure that's not. I'm not trying to be silly or no. I understand what you're you know, saying. You know, flipping. I'm just the definition of the relation. Yes. <laughs> um, seeing to to me to me, I'll say this is what's what's See, really... so like this is what I mean. How can I believe this guy and his fucking numbers if I'll... this is the kind of shit he's writing? And down? I want to say this now. I am. Uh, I have enjoyed the pen throughout this program, but what I am going to say is that. Um, while describing that story to me, and I was just writing a couple notes here, my mind drifted for a second or two, and I was literally writing down the scenario. And uh, it seemed more plausible to me that they would actually make a, a story about a lightning bolt hitting near them and not them instead of actually hitting this lady, because that seems like more preposterous, but also because it's just like she's talking to them, which is like so she didn't do anything. But, like, that's a miracle also? Like, I thought miracles were supposed to be, you know, well, in the, well, the, in miracle the liturgy of is, the church. Is that the, the evil was struck down. The evil was struck you down, know? supposedly. 
and and that was like a that that was like a, the, a proof to them and the whole pueblo that, came and that saw. that god well i mean because i think this is also like like the reality of like i think how the spanish were actually able to i'll say conquer people so easily right it's because there was essentially already an established religion that i don't think was i don't think incompatible with christianity in a way that um i think uh let's say the the shift from paganism in roman times and i mean paganism yeah. in that like true sense of roman paganism like starts to get absorbed into like the the church uh, those the, those those rituals, those saints, those martyrs, those images, like um, I feel like just like the English language, that's that's the thing about Christianity is that it's actually pretty adaptable to whatever the fuck people want to say or do or believe. I mean, we've By seen design. that yeah. in its in its beautiful ways, but yes. I think we've also seen it in its like ugliest of ways, yes, right? Exactly. Like. I mean, look at the way that, like, we even have the Judeo-Christian canon. It, we have we have it piggybacking on Judaism, yeah, a whole established tradition of its own right that has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. And we and go, even, um, actually, and even our hero's origin story is like based on the end of the old one, essentially. Like, it's so, mm -hmm. yeah. So you know, I don't, I don't, you know, I think there's um a lot of I, I think there's a lot of ways that, like, I don't think it's so unreasonable to to think that people actually were converted to a faith. I think this this sense that, like, if they were really shooting off arquebuses, like, uh, I would actually, if I didn't know any better, I'd be like, this person has like thunderbolt powers. Like, I'd be like, this For is real. a god come from heaven. Like, yeah. right? Is I feel like I feel that way when people do like a really cool magic trick in front of me. <laughs> like I'm like whoa. Yeah, like if only nature had ever produced something like that, and then all of a sudden this m person is controlling what seems like a natural occurrence, and it seems fucking terrifying. Yeah, or at least worthy. I feel, of, I worthy feel like of that's respect. also what alchemy was, yes. right? When you said the alchemy word earlier, yeah. right? Like this idea that just because you knew how to burn magnesium somehow made you like a fucking god or something like exactly. oh i have access to esoteric knowledge like no you don't dude you have, you have essentially show. matches before everyone else does okay you're the first dude with matches okay <laughs> chill out okay like when they write a story about uh the only thing you really get is that an amalgam of people like you, when they write stories about people in uh, the medieval times, 500 years from now, you'll be like a person who's like gotten the mystical arts and you won't even be you. It'll be like a person named like the Raven or something. <laughs> there so you go. Stupid. Yeah. Yeah. You need one of those. Anyway. So, so this, uh, um, I, I'm only about halfway through the book. Mm -hmm um he's then going to start describing in greater detail the lay of the land like mountains and the kind of animals and things that he has found yeah. um there's going to be a whole grip of pages on the apaches whom he apparently describes with some respect um i mean i oh. think he's still you can still kind of hear the contempt in his voice you know because he's an asshole <laughs> but um but like it's something about this like there's something like real like I respect them as a as as you know a warrior class who will not give up easy is kind of like his tone so far. Uh, I don't know yeah. again I, I haven't finished it yet but like 
the noble savage sentiment is what I kind of feel like yeah. he's going to be presenting. I'm, so I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm always afraid the noble that phrase. I I I always feel that's on my mind a lot. That kind of like mental image that we like create to fill in how we feel or don't feel or are supposed to feel. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I feel it's like- a very short little book, by the way, it's like less than a hundred pages. I mean, oh. it's just literally like, I mean, some of the entries, I mean, that little entry on Taos, that was like one of the longer entries on a location. Hmm. I think that, um, I would like to read that. So it's fine. I'll check it down. Sorry. Enjoyed it. I was looking at my notes. Yeah, no, highly recommended to other nerds like me who like this kind of shit. Um, but yeah, I want to find like kind of what is the next written history and like, because I, I wonder if it, like the next guy comes in and goes, nah, this Benavides dude was lying to you, dude. He was a fucking fuck up. Just, yeah, you he, can't trust anything he says. It's like, you know, he never said anything about the watermelons we have here. Like they have water. Yeah, right. Yeah, I haven't I haven't read a single thing about a sandia yet. So, (laughs) you know. Again, Um, unreliable narrator. Fuck this guy. No, no, it's really interesting. Uh, Thank you for telling me about that. Um, I, if you learn any more about like Mexico history, I would be like in that, especially that kind of like era. I'd be super interested to know about that. I mean, as I find more, I'll definitely be sharing. I mean, I feel like I just. So, like I said, even though this isn't, like, for work, I, I'm doing it, like, in my spare time. Even it's, like, work adjacent because I'm just a nerd about this shit. Yeah, I love that. I, um, let's see. What was I going to say? Hmm. Well, I had a thread from a minute ago, which I wrote down. That's why I was looking at this note. Um, and I, there will be a quiz at the end. <laughs> I guess, uh, hmm trying to think about whether i want to talk about now or later i guess earlier we were talking about communities that were kind of invented on the spot and i was thinking about the ultimate kind of and it is time-based it is based on we just had thanksgiving just a minute ago the invented community that can kind of exist in a spot like uh (laughs) well much different than those spanish Outside of, let's say, a Best Buy on Black Friday, like leading up to there, that invented community of people who are all there to participate in our nation's favorite day, um, everyone out there lining up, creating a community that will only exist for a brief amount of time, and then everything being deleted as soon as everything walk, everyone walks away. Uh, thinking of the ephemeral nature of, you know, forms, uh, sub, sub forms on the forms that are gone. Thinking about communities that exist only for 30 years or so. I mean, what if Santa Fe disappeared after that? Or what if, you know, we're thinking about all the communities that were there that were erased to then make a new community. I think about all the things, uh, you know, things that don't get written down, I guess. The... Mm-hmm. I've been thinking about this so much lately. Like for me, for example, I'll start about how I was thinking about this. This is like the key kernel of thing that like kind of popped up in my brain. Um, let's see. It would have been 2004 and 2005 here in Fort Myers. Went to the 
the Best Buy and did the whole Black Friday thing. Got the flyer in the newspaper, looked through it, found the things I wanted, stood in the line forever, got the special deal, whatever. It's not about that story. It's about waiting in the line for eight hours from pretty much like the minute after Thanksgiving dinner was over to, you know, the they don't even really open at midnight. They actually open like 6 a.m. or something like that. So you're there like all that time until they open. But in that time, you're standing next to a bunch of like pretty much society has randomly selected these people to stand with. And that's really what I'm getting at. You're there for all different purposes. You're there for all trying to get your different things. But you're standing there with those random people having these conversations. And and you're just exposed to... It's like no one told you to be there. And this is what makes it extra special. No one told you to be there. And that's why the randomness of the people who show up across all different categories of all any category you could put someone in, they're all there for the you know ultimate consumer capitalist experience. On the ultimate day to do that, all doing it together. It's like Super Bowl Sunday for buying shit. And um, specific to that experience. But that's why you're there. But really, when you're standing in line, you only talk about that a little bit. What you're really talking about is you're finding the ways to like be comfortable with totally random people in a given scenario. And that's what's interesting to me. And having done that a few times and also lined up for consoles and midnight releases for games and stuff back when that was like a thing. Um, I would always find myself like trying to like outside of my normal capacity as a, as a human of like wanting to be quiet and be not observed in those scenarios when knowing that everyone is kind of like a random person that anyone could be there anyone could be your friend your or your enemy but also more than likely you know they're going to be a friendly face because we're just existing in this kind of i don't know meta state the out the line will be over everyone will go home and you can kind of joke and say whatever you want with these people you can you know, they'll hold your place in line. All of a sudden, they're like your friend. Even though the person who shows up 15 minutes mm-hmm. after you, fuck that person. They're not standing in line. They're garbage. Mm-hmm. And, and I think about how this exists. It's like it's it's like uh, it's like the kind of semi truth of like the soldiers in World War Two, like having like a peacetime Christmas holiday, playing soccer and all that stuff. Or was it World War One? Doesn't matter. Think of like a, a peacetime truce like that. Like, I don't even really, existing in that place, in that specific scenario, and there's other scenarios like it you can imagine lining up for any kind of thing where you're in a certain spot, and you're really just there to, like, kill time, and you've talked about the topic, and then you're on to the next thing, and then you finally have this, like, real conversation. Maybe even it's the last one you have before finally, because you're, like, you're kind of tired you're hungry you've been staying there for a while at that point maybe you're a little loopy maybe you're willing to talk about things that you wouldn't normally talk about unless you're a little tired or you've talked to this person for six hours and you're finally willing to talk about real life right and to me those moments are just super super fucking fascinating and and anytime i've ever been in that moment in my life since thinking about it in the best buy scenario mm-hmm. a day by the way the analogy the witch, i thought of yeah. is like when like I had a layover recently mm-hmm. at an airport that was for like six hours. Yes. And I remember. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's okay. Like you, you heard me take a deep breath there, right? Yeah. Like yeah, I felt so... it when you said it. I felt it. 
<laughs> so I was like, oh I shit, I know that feeling. Okay. I relived it. I had like this like thousand yard stare. So like um but we made the most of it, right? Yeah. Like it was like cool, we brought a book. I have my my headphones are fully charged. Mm-hmm. Um let, let's hit up the airport bar, right? Yeah. All the things, right. right? So like again, make the most make of it. Cool. Can't complain. Yeah. You know, so uh we do what so many other people do is at the airport bar, there you are talking to the people that you're literally never going to see again. How are you ever going to see those people? They're on their way to, like, you know, Philadelphia, and we're on our way to Denver, and here we are stuck in Dallas-Fort Worth for, like, an overlap of two hours, and then we're all going to go our separate directions, but in the meantime, we're going to be, like... How about those clowns in Congress, you know? Exactly. And that's how it's going to start. I, I, I love that. How many, um, do you remember anything from that experience? Any conversations? Um, what I remember is that um, I think, like, if you're just, like, a normal human being, you're going to enjoy this, right? Like, I think it's, again, like, airports are kind of funny because, like, Nobody really wants to be at the airport. You're trying to get to somewhere else, right? So there's a good chance that people are actually in a bad mood, too, because, like, just the whole experience of flying is awful. You have to go through security, and you have to take off your shoes, and, you know, are you wearing something comfortable, and is it too cold, and now it's too hot, and you got to do this, and you got to do that, and you got to carry a bag, and what if they lose it, and just, like, all the fucking, and then not even dealing with the fact that you're surrounded by a bunch of people who are going through the exact same misery, right? Which um, is very difficult more to so if they're actually you're going through it, too, like. Like you're not even thinking, you're not externalizing at all. You're just like trapped inside. I know I am trapped inside the little like, this is my tiny little zone and I'm fine inside of it. And once I get to the gate, maybe I'll relax a little bit, but like I need to get And I'm in boarding group three. Yeah. I'm thinking about what time is that? Like it'll be seven minutes after boarding? Gate 37. Can I walk away to the Chili's too? Do I have enough time to get a margarita? (laughs) Also though, if I don't. Um, Can I order it from an app? Yeah, exactly. As I walk over there and save myself two and a half minutes. Or like on this two-hour layover is ordering the sushi before I show up to the thing worth it because I'm going to be sitting there for so long anyway. I might oh, well... <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> why didn't I just bring edible? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. So, I'll be so happy yeah, right. when, when, uh, when it's – you know, that's great. That's a great idea. When – it is legalized then nationally then we'll have weed stores in airports that at the duty free will be something else oh yeah that'd be cool uh, fingers crossed come on Biden, do something right I'll fly so, so uh, much more when we can have edibles because why i mean there's no reason not to then put we're edibles. really flying yeah there's Thank you. There's no reason not to have edibles on the menu uh, next to alcohol. Literally with everything, though. Like, I can't think of a a meeting, a fucking movie. I would like to be in a state change pretty much every time, yeah, I'm going to, like, go out to a restaurant. Maybe not operating heavy machinery, but I don't really think of that as something I either can or want to do. Yeah, I'm not getting on a heavy machinery, really. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'll agree just... to I'll agree to take an Uber every time I'm I'm at the edibles <laughs> yeah, restaurant. Exactly, yeah, exactly. That's really exactly. what it takes. Uh... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 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 
I will walk. Yeah, <laughs> I will fine. ride a bike. Yeah, I'm sure I'll eat. <laughs> fine, I, you can't stop me from walking. <laughs> or as they say, I'm walking here. So, you know. Yeah. Um, that's, that's what they say. Yeah, that's so I don't... <laughs> So, I, I mean, all that is a way of saying, yes, I agree with you. Those places, they're wonderful. Mm -hmm. Like, because of that, right, you get to, you also get to kind of commiserate in some way, right? What, regardless of what those locations are, like you're waiting in line for the bank. Um, you're waiting for your oil change to finish. You're, uh, I don't know, like even yeah. just like, yeah, when, when you're at, at like, at a restaurant and you're like, Oh, Hey, I got to go to the bathroom. Can you watch, can you tell the waiter yeah. that I'm still here and I'm still working on my salad? You know, like you turn to that random human individual next to you and you know, it's like this like moral code. Like if you're like, look, I promise I'll be right back that you're actually going to hurry the fuck up and you're not like going to go be gone for 20 minutes leaving this poor bastard like what do i do like i'm done like i asked me to watch his stuff like no, no no i i love that the social contract must be upheld but that's like the code that's i the guess code. that's what it is it's examples of like uh, without like any border being thought about or a boundary or like without any kind of it's like that is well literally it's like anarchy it's like literal anarchic mm -hmm. rule between humans like with this if any if anarchy actually exists besides you know in the um and uh well i can think of two literal countries where that exists but let's say uh if anarchy existed anywhere in america it exists in those moments where those mm -hmm. people in that line are deciding who is in charge and who's doing bad and going to the back of the line for showing up late and um who's okay and uh or just at the airport you know like what if two people get in line at the same time like what goes down they don't kill each other they solve the problem and i just like i love witnessing and observing that and taking it in and trying to figure out like where in there that uh, we can take away lessons for our mm -hmm. full life you know when we're like mad at someone at the office because they did something really lame or yeah and also annoying. like all of this is in our head right it's all in our head. It all, it's all in our head. Right? Because, like, because, like, we can only assume, right, that, like, that we can think or figure out what this person in front of us is thinking or what the cashier is thinking. And it's like, the answer is, no, I don't. Right? I, I just have to, here's my money. I'm going to stand over here and wait for my fucking Shake Shack. Yeah. And I'm going to fucking hightail it, like, you know, 400 yards that way to my to my gate and i'm gonna sit there for 40 minutes until you start boarding and then i'm gonna sit for another 20 minutes until it's my turn to board and then i'm gonna sit on the tarmac for another 20 minutes and by then wow. i will be done with my shake shack and everything will be fine in the world exactly. like i don't have to worry i don't have to stress but and by then that urge you know you're about that urge. 20 minutes away from someone bringing you a beer and it's awesome then you're set or well that's what i used to do um, i mean you know Again, or you're popping the edibles that you surreptitiously smuggled in as Haribo gummy whatevers. That is a brilliant plan, and I say that's a great plan. You know, here's another one. Here's another brilliant idea. Uh -huh. So I once had these, like, little, like, mini edible chocolates that would have been, like, the size of M&M's. Yeah. So guess what I actually oh. did? 
I poured them into an actual bag of M&Ms. And man, let me tell you. Wow. The greatest trip I ever had on a plane. Like just because, you know, just every once in a while you go, oh, look, that one wasn't an M&M. I've had some again. Your mileage may vary. I've had some bad plane trips in the in the sense, but uh, um, I'll say that for another time because it's not quite as funny. No, I uh, mean alternatively, right? You just pop the entire fucking edible before you go through security again. You folks decide. I am not here to tell you what to do. I'm not your lawyer. I'm also not your dad. Yeah, exactly. You know, so yes, I am, you know, I am definitely not your lawyer. <laughs> yeah, definitely not your, not your dad. or vice versa (laughs) and the Um, survey has determined and the dna test has determined that no you are not capable of giving legal advice i'm also (laughs) okay good i'm glad you spun it around so that i didn't have to say anything thank you (laughs) Uh, oh god it's so funny oh no rudy Rudy giuliani we have bad news for you though The previous episode, uh, we determined that I didn't know how long we were doing this, and it's still true. I was just about to make a joke saying, like, I don't, I still don't know. I can't. I don't know either. I still don't want to look it up. Anyway, so I did have a couple clips for us, and I would love to play them because I think that they are very worth playing. So let me log into my little Paramount Plus here, which I think I already had logged in. Okay, the first thing it types, when you type in Paramount, it goes to Paramount Plus login. So let's. Let's see. Thank you, DuckDuckGo. All right. Yes. Okay. I also watched Survivor Season 7, which I never mentioned. Um, but I am going to play that just to change the mood here a little bit. I am going to play Survivor Season 7, the finale intro, just so you can have... I love playing the finale intro. I've done it twice before because I think it's really funny how much nonsense that they try to pack into like two minutes of talking because none of it will make any sense unless you know who these people are. And also they make like puns and jokes and stuff. But so I only hit allow because Paramount Plus needs to know my location. How fun. I don't want to start watching live. With the TV. With a brand new We're watching the bold and the beautiful, everyone. Let me change it. All plans are fully customizable and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Call now and get a home security system valued at $1,250. <laughs> okay. Yes. How do I, what the hell? I don't. Um... That's really weird that Paramount Plus now like brings you to like live TV specifically. Like, what are they trying to do? Interesting. Okay. I hate this new world. I do too. I hate all of it. Like, I was just on this and it was totally different. Survivor, your most popular show. Remember that CBS? What? There it is. Why did I have to type all of Survivor to get that? Okay. Here we go. I never promise this is a show where I'd have everything queued up. So let's go to Flames and Endurance, the season seven, episode 14 of Survivor. And it should just start out right at the spot where I want because, oh no, they're going to show me a Paramount Plus ad for a show coming up. So um, briefly, let me also, 
I was just reminded of this. Are you aware of the uh, new trend of uh, country Western drama for boomers? Or I shouldn't even say that. No. Country Western drama for the 50 plus crowd. Okay. No. Um, okay. So there's, it's a big deal right now. They're basically taking country Western artists from, let's say, 90s forward. Maybe okay. they even have no acting experience, but they have performing experience. So they can do a good enough job. They've taken them, mm -hmm. like mega groups of them, and they're sticking them on shows that appeal to like your um, country Western type crowd, right? Okay. And, uh, so the first one is that you may have heard of a little bit is Yellowstone. And that's one that airs on the Paramount Network, but they put it on Paramount Plus now. You probably haven't heard of it, but it is like a really, really big deal. It's one of the biggest shows. I've like heard of it, but like haven't, like I don't give a shit. It's been yeah. on, exactly. I also don't give a shit. But, uh, you know, it's one of the shows that like, you know, my parents will tell me to watch. And I'll be like, oh, well, you know, one time, one day. But so it's it's basically like um, imagine if Breaking Bad, but PG-13 and then Country Western and um, instead of meth, it's like cattle rustlers or something like that. You know, it's like I'm going to fight with BLM about whether or not I can ranch my land. And we're the big cattle family. And we're going to talk about the West and stuff. It's basically the show. Anyway, so they've uh, already gone in a way that is beyond if I even told you about like where this is going. So they have now like many spinoffs of this show. Like that's how big it is. It has they have one called 1929, which is about this family's history in like the 20s, and they have another one that they're doing that's like a spinoff of the characters from like the fourth or you know fifth season. It's from the current time into another thing. They have another spinoff, literally. Like there's like they're doing like a whole network of spinoffs for this one show. They have another one that's going to be like the city version of it. And they have since yet another network has already done the like, you know, same thing, copy version of it. Like the, I don't know, you know, the deal when there's a, when the Sopranos came out, there was a bunch of like mob shows. Oh, I can hear it hit into that one. There we go. Spam risk just called me. Um, anyway, <laughs> anyway there's, already, there's already copycat shows to it. So, but all starring, <laughs> but they all star country Western artists. It's very fascinating. It's like once they get out of, uh, it's like a, it's a talent agency thing. I guarantee you, it is definitely a talent agency thing. Mm. Since now there's really only like two talent agencies left. They, I assume, what they're doing is they're saying like, what other vehicles can we like put these people in to make some money and for different audiences that aren't being currently exposed. And to that end, as a person who's probably figuring out the marketing and the demographics of these people, we're not exploiting for a certain show. Hey, this group of people, ninety percent of America loves. Uh, Better Call Saul and the adult concept drama, let's call it. And 10% of it would, but they don't have a show that matches their content desires. Let's make that show. That's basically what they did. And they did the country western flavor. Um, it really, it just strikes me though as, uh, I just want to identify it going forward because I think it's going to be a big thing. I think eventually that will be like um, like Breaking Bad was good for everyone because at the time Breaking Bad was kind of like the only thing in its world that existed. But if you're going to look at prestige TV, which I don't think even really exists anymore outside of Better Call Saul, which is now over, 
um, a lot of people are going to try to create that prestige TV, what it was, or they're going to try to create it for other audiences. Much like reality <laughs> TV was for girls, in quotes, before <laughs> it was for guys <laughs> with Gold Rush and all that stuff. And Duck Hunters or whatever the fuck that show is called. Um, Duck Hunters, yes. <laughs> I don't know. It's just something I wanted duck, to The duck guys. No, I, I don't fools. remember, but like, <laughs> um, you know how like um, on, on, on Twitter and YouTube, mm -hmm. there's always the like, there's like the history guy. And then there's like the cooking guy and they're all like the, the something guy. Yes. And, and like, I feel like I've been blocking a lot of them lately for some reason. Cause they're like the crypto guy <laughs> or like the Tesla guy. And I'm like, where are all these guys coming from? They're inventing we made guys too many. Every... We made too many. We've made too many guys. You know what? But, but I would really love is I want the guy formula to expand Ooh. where guys are just anyone. We can all just be like a guy. Like, I'm like the, I'm the guy guy podcast it's not really about reality TV. you want to know about a guy i got your guy right here if you want to talk to someone about reality tv it's uh, one of the two of us however we don't really have any authority to speak about it but if you wanted to talk to someone about it it is us so i know a guy <laughs> that's us we're that guy that's us wait who's this guy <laughs> so let me uh, on that subject let me play for you the first couple minutes of survivor <gasps> season seven episode 14 to once again verify that we are not a cia operation we are just two people <laughs> the, having conversation the, the because survivor of, because if we were there is no way that they would do this the cia guy exactly <laughs> they have a podcast now we should listen to it like they do don't know why. Are we going to play? Are we going to play? No? The play, guys. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just going to beat this horse as much as I can. Oh, this was in... Um, I'm going to give you the preview in case he doesn't say it. This was Survivor uh, Pearl Islands, which is a little string of islands off of the coast of Panama. I said it like that to sound foolish, of course, everyone else. Uh and I immediately regret pausing it because it skipped a bunch of stuff, but it's fine. While the Drake tribe pulled together and worked every advantage. Mm -hmm. Sandra was so amazing in the town because she spoke the language. Pirates steal. Pirates take advantage. All their trade goods, all the little women's shoes, everything that I could find in theirs, I took. So uh, my favorite character of the season was uh, that man whose name I had in my head. Man, I need <laughs> that. Dude, more weed. We'll get yeah, exactly. If weed, we'll uh, we'll just take more of it. And we'll yeah, smoke more weed. So basically, that guy um, starts with last three his name starts with an R. He's who I wanted to win. Didn't win. Um, he comes back in a later season. I find out. Uh, just by looking up this season, it spoiled that for me. So I'm going to stop looking up any of these seasons in Wikipedia, I think. Um, but uh, he did, he would play the game how I would have played the game, which is to say he got on everyone's good side and stayed on everyone's good side until eventually, ultimately, he just got cut from the game because he was on everyone's good side and that didn't work out strategically. And he was really chill. He was very real with his emotions, which gave people... All, I mean, he was never, he never lied. He gave everyone total sincerity and earned everyone's trust. And then at the end, he just wasn't cutthroat enough. That's kind of it. Other people lied to make an alliance and he wasn't in on it and he didn't make the cut. 
Um, but they'll say his name again. So. Been voted out, return as a tribe of outcasts to compete against Drake and Morgan for a chance to return to the game. Revenge, baby. All about revenge. If you really are the 10 most worthy survivors, this should be no trouble. Everybody's got to cross the Russell. Oh yeah, and a stunning uh, change in this season. They actually had, at the instead of having a merge of the two tribes at the end, they actually brought back everyone who had been kicked off so far as a third tribe and had them face off in a string of challenges that combined all the challenges they had previously com uh, completed. And the outcasts, the people who had been kicked off, actually won. And so in that case, they were able to s vote within themselves to select two people to rejoin uh, whichever tribe they chose. It was just fascinating. I've uh, never seen anything like that. And um, honestly, the way that it worked out, one of the people, right? Yeah, one of the people who were brought back made it to the final two. So, I mean, they almost won. Pretty fascinating. Really ch uh, changed up the dynamic of the show completely. People were fighting all the time because, like, oh, you're the people who came back. So, so it shall be. The outcasts voted Lil and Burton back in, and they both returned to their former camps. On day 21, the game changed again when the two tribes merged. They became the Balboas. I knew that here is where the true game starts. Old alliances broke down when Lil jumped ship and helped vote out her former tribe mate, Andrew. Rhino was the next to go. I'll be back, guys. Former outcast Lil and Burton made a pact to stay together. To the outcast. To the outcast. Taking it home. Uh -huh. And Rupert, Krista, and Sandra Rupert. continued Rupert. their friendly bond. They are so power-ridden, they know it. Grouper? power that Rupert seemed to have, John and Burton formed a tight alliance See, of two. He only got kicked off because he was just too nice. Together, they launched a plot with Dara, Tawana, and Lil to eliminate their biggest threat. And on day 27, Rupert was voted out, leaving Sandra and Krista to fend for themselves. Rupert, the tribe is broken. T, here's your high school sweetheart. On day 28, the survivor's loved ones showed up to participate in a reward challenge. And John got some devastating news from his friend Dan. This is sinister. In a show of sympathy, the tribe let John win so that he could spend time with his friend. Thank you. I'll explain in a minute. But it was all a big lie. That was a brilliant performance, sir. My grandmother's sitting home watching Jerry Springer right now. I haven't even come close to being voted off, dude. John called me before he left and was like, if you come down here, tell me my grandma died. The fake dead grandmother could easily go fake down. Fake dead grandmother. The dirtiest thing ever to be done in this game. John continued to plot with Burton, and even though Sandra and Tawana secretly listened in on their conversation, the men continued to dominate the game, as John convinced his enemies to vote out Tawana. Travis Spoken. 
the women considered forming their own alliance to overthrow John and Burton. I want the guys to yeah, yeah. sing that work. But when John left the camp with Lil and Dara for a reward, he again worked his deception. The more I think about it, all to that further He convinced Lil and Dara to vote out Krista. Last week, Burton won the reward and chose to take John to the old Panama ruins for an overnight feast, where he and John celebrated their control of the game. To the girls eating muscles. To the girls eating muscles. But back at camp, I'm shocked they didn't start kissing. Different show. When John and Burton returned, they were immediately suspicious. I can't believe you three didn't try to figure out a girl alliance to go get Sandra. No. And Sandra used John's strategy against him when she told her own lie. I swear on my grandmother. I swear, I swear, I swear. Like, you guys have a plan or not? I swear on my two kids that I'm with you guys. In my head, I was like, I swear on my kids that I'm going to screw you and Burton. <laughs> At the challenge, Dara took home her third straight immunity. And a tribal council, the all-girl alliance, finally held, and Burton was voted out. Burton, for the second time, the tribe has voted. Now, only four remain. Tonight, they will compete in their final immunity challenges. Two will continue on to face the jury. One will outlast all the rest and become the sole survivor. I liked all their hair. Yes, they all had a 2003 ass hair because that's when it was from. I, I will say this season was very interesting. They had a lot of it's definitely developing as a show. It's actually like a better show to watch. The social issues are still 2003, so you know whatever. But they're not. They're getting closer to something that I would kind of consider like what today's TV would be like. But oh, I'm looking right. Um. It's getting there. I mean, so basically they do a season every six months. We know that now because there's 42 seasons and only 20-something years. So um, 40, almost 45 seasons. I think that one day when I'm on this program, thinking aspirationally, of course, um, I would probably play everything like Rupert did. However, I'd be interested to see how he does on his repeat season. Um there was a way, there was a guy, John, Johnny Fairplay was actually his, uh, his name that he kind of went by in the show. Cause that's really funny. Was like went, did this, like I'm playing fair. And like, he made it all the way to the end typical, well, you know, almost to the end. He, he just was, he was a really good player of the game. He definitely studied the game and how to play the game. And he's probably the person who played the game the best maybe ever because of the dead grandma thing because of that working faking that that was crazy to me that was unbelievable to me and they didn't reveal it to the audience until the next episode too which was like crazy um a really really wild moment and i can't imagine what watching that live would have been like if you're like because basically this happened they had all the people there was a reward challenge i think right reward challenge 
Yeah, it wasn't an immunity. <laughs> it, was a, it was a reward challenge because there's two different kinds of challenges. In the beginning of the episode, they have a reward challenge just the day after they vote, and then there's an immunity challenge the next day, and then there's a vote day. You know, so that's the cycle every day. Um, the reward challenge typically in each season towards the end when there's like six-ish people left, they bring like the fam family members of those people to all the way to wherever they are and they have them do a little game with them or something. Usually it's like solving a puzzle or something like not physical. So they're not like super involved, but they're like there just to cheer them on or something like that. And in this case, they brought this guy's like best friend and supposedly what he was what they both were showing off to everyone in the show was that his grandmother had passed away and she was going to be the number one person who was going to come. But because she didn't show up and his friend showed up instead, he was coming with news about his grandmother having passed away. And that was the scenario that they set up between the two of them well before the game even started, before, you know, when he's talking to his buddy at home. And so when he showed up, you know, in this game where they're going to like have him walk the plank at the end. And so eventually they ended up letting him win that just so that he could get some new, because nobody was going to be able to talk to any of their loved ones after the intro. And all they could do is just give him a hug and say hello or whatever. So they weren't going to get any news from home or anything unless they won the game. And so that guy was able to win the game because they let him based on a fictionally dead grandma and got like tons of um, like, sympathy from it and they never ever found out until they watched the show on tv all the other participants didn't know they never knew only the people at home knew that's crazy to me though that that's and you know what's crazy too they stopped asking him about it almost immediately he never had to keep up a ruse they were just like oh it's too bad your grandmother died or whatever and then that was it and they never asked him so he just that was it it completely worked it got him plenty of sympathy. It won him a game where he basically had like his friend come back to the beach. And then the whole time they were at the beach, like alone at the, you know, at the d dwelling where they live, they were just like chatting like, man, I can't believe we pulled that off. Like, that's crazy. Like Crazy. I hadn't seen that before. That it, it feels like, like this is where also like, I don't know. I, I don't want to say like that we've gotten, I think it's always been okay to play dirty. Right, like yes, when and I feel game. like I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, well, I don't think that yeah, it's okay. No, I, I, I mean, I just feel like, like, just generally speaking, it's not like it's anything new, right? Like, right. um, it's probably as old as games themselves, even, right? Like, yeah. but um, I feel like there's there's something about that's like there's like some pride in gaming the system. Or or somehow getting some like fake advantage that's like something about it feels like it's like really playing on like people's like best sympathies and things like that. And I feel like it's one thing to like be a con man because you're stealing a bunch of like jewels from some rich asshole. And I feel like yeah. it's another thing to like screw a bunch of war widows out of their pension, you know, like, yeah. and I'm not saying that like what this guy did is like on that scale, obviously all he did was lie about a fake grandma that isn't even real. I yeah. mean, I feel like it, I mean, I just feel like if his actual grandmother would be alive, I'd be like, why'd you just put this curse on me? Like, that's weird. Right. Like maybe they're already dead. And I think like, that's still even weird. Right. Like in the, but... show, in the show, she was still alive and not on the show, but she, he even says like, yeah, he, she's probably at home right now watching Jerry Springer. And I bet you she'll be watching this oh, show. Right. And I'll bet you should be watching this on TV. <laughs> he even says that. I was like, wow. Okay. Bold. 
Oh, I'm, I'm so proud of you, Sonny, for lying about my death in order for you to advance in this silly television show. you eventually show. lost and didn't even get second place to get the money, yeah. Right, like, I don't know. Like, it just, uh, there's something that's, like, so... Like, the taking pride in it, right? That, like, I mean, that, that like, Lee, I don't want to say it's, like, I, I want to put, like, those, like, all of those little dominoes from, like, smallest to biggest, right? And then at the end, put, yeah. like... Trump saying he can get away with anything, right? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, okay, so I, so I gotta go eat lunch because I am hungry at okay. this point. Go ahead and eat lunch. I uh, I played my clips. I will have more um, uh, housewives stuff next week. But uh... yeah, and I was gonna say I can't think of any songs to play us in or out. I feel like I can't think of anything that like really resonates with what we discussed today. Okay. Well. Um, I can, um, I can make some. I leave it to your infinite, yeah, your your infinite experience and wisdom in this department to just pick pick a couple of things. Yeah, I shoved in a couple songs last week, so yes. Um, In the break, there will be some good stuff. You'll 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 know what it is when you hear it, and you'll know what this song is right now. I bet because it'll be recognizable because those are the kinds of songs I like to pick for the end. Thank you, everyone. Hell yeah. Thank you, Kathy, for spending this time with me, and thank you. Uh, well, yeah, I already thanked everyone. Thank you for you at home. Smell oh, here, you I do later. Have one request for everyone at home, please. Yes. Go and leave some kind of like text on something on on uh, Apple iTunes or whatever, because it's the only way that I've learned. That's the only way that you can really promote like through the ranks of like just the search mm-hmm. algorithm. If you search for, because right now if you search for reality issues, we don't always come up on top. There's like another couple shows huh. that aren't even called reality issues but they're like reality Fuck related them. i know so anyway Boo. if you go and leave a review on apple itunes store i would really appreciate that and kathy would too that'd be cool you didn't even have to say it's good sounds great you can literally just leave like these are some words to increase the algorithm in fact i would think that'd be really funny so go ahead and that, do that would be really funny <laughs> right. or both you know do both or you can say this is a great show that i love and these hosts are great wonderful people review early review often <laughs> thank you Thank you, everyone. Okay, bye. Goodbye, Kathy. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.